Who knows more about music than us? The, the, the device is a black podcast playing all genres with a sprinkler pop culture and a shit ton of food. If you're not from DC, you probably don't know what size you are. <laughs> Actual recording is higher quality. That's funny. You won't fall out every time. I have to. We gotta fall out to keep from falling down, baby. Falling down, 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 falling down, 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 down. You remember that song? Sing Chris Brown. Hold on. This is why we are a podcast. (laughs) You know I knew. Woo, Chris Brown, he said, can you imagine a hit? Wow. Ain't that the one that Jazzy wrote? All the the no, huh? that's on graffiti. What? Falling Down is on graffiti. Yeah. Huh. Falling Down, 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 Sing. He said, can you imagine a weight of the world on your shoulders and no one can help you? I'm sick of it. I felt it before. Ooh. It's getting crazy. I think I'm really about to break down. I'm standing <laughs> up, but I'm falling down. <laughs> I'm sick of it already. Uh, what is it giving? We back. It's episode 101. We don't know how to act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I guess we could update the children. We had our first live show last weekend to celebrate our 100th. That was everything. Shout out to Stable Art. Shout out to Malik Glee, Jessica Woodson, Silky, like all of the dolls. We love y'all. We couldn't have did it without you. I should have down to the bar. 12.45. Thank you again. Doll world. Doll world. Doll galaxy. We had such a good time. Like, first of all, I just want to say, overall, we had such a fab 100th episode yeah. celebration. Yeah. It started the Thursday before Roots. Did. Fair, very fair. <laughs> Did. Been partying for three weekends in a row. Sit <laughs> us down. Wow. The party, uh, the celebration party started then. And then Stable Arts was a perfect way to close our 100th episode celebration. I also want to say thank you again to everyone that um, opened our 100th episode, saying so many kind words and kind things. Mm-hmm. Um, all the dolls, Jamal, Caleb, R&B representers. Who else? Who else was on our docket? Becoming to being. I do not know who that is, but doll is funny. I had to cut out some of the stuff he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Because what's falling out? Like, why would you start off with (laughs) what's gooey? (laughs) What's gooey had me in tears? I'm screaming because don't nobody even watch Chase of Atlanta but us. What's gooey literally had me on the floor. Yeah, I'm still there. Um, But yeah, who else? Um, Is wait, it's becoming to be a Zoe. What is your real name, dog? Because you know your social handles. Because your Twitter is not Your Twitter is something else. I only so be What is your real handle. name? You was our friend, and we don't even know your real name. So call, call in. Call in. Yes. 
Uh, also, Jamal. We're so big in London. <laughs> that is great. The UK loves us. Malik, like, shout out to all y'all that had so many great things to say. We were so happy to feature y'all on um, the open that episode, but now y'all gotta come on the cast. Like, yeah. what, what is you going? Come on the cast. We need to give, like, Teen Summit vibes. Period. That would be we cute. Too, because we got a tweet that's going popping right now. We need to have a State of the Club episode. because State the of the Club, and it's on the docket. We already talked about that. State of the Club is going to be fierce. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be an issue because the people have had things to say for 48 hours. Y'all been in our mentions not cursing us out, which is fun. <laughs> fun and different, okay? <laughs> But yeah, the girls are riled up about these DJ tweets and we need to have a cookout conversation and we need to have a club conversation because the girls don't like sections. It's just a lot with the club and the DJ might hate us after, but y'all will get over it. No, I had a realization today about sections. Oh God. No, you no, this really hit me. And then me and Ev had a great conversation after. Shout out to Ev from Anderson Street, Philly. Hit you like a ray of sun burning through your darkest nights. <laughs> we need to stop knowing lyrics. <laughs> like, how do so many songs sit in our brains? Like, I'm not this tired is why of I'm it. not that smart because I don't got no room for nothing else <laughs> but lyrics. Child, I'm intelligent fish, and I'm still like, okay, well, this relates to a lyric. I've been sending lyrics and songs in the past. Never mind. Never. We'll chat offline. We'll, t- we'll chat offline. Um, but what year is this? 2023. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Th- think about the 2010s, the Buppies and the Upper Ash of oh. Black America of African America. <laughs> a location. Loved sections and bottle clubs, right? Yeah, that was all that it was. And remember that bottle and section clubs, you couldn't play like hardcore rap music. No. Remember that? Like the clubs where you can't you can't play that. But now at some point the Buppies and the upper crust of African America <laughs> left the bottle clubs left the section clubs and now the only place to hear hardcore trap rap right is at the bottle and section clubs yeah it's got on that previously banned that music yeah they exiled all of that what happened what what caused that switch that now those clubs have opened up to the type of music that you can play but their former market no longer goes there. This is literally the the episode that we want to have because Buppies literally stopped doing that. Like that whole segment of the world that you're talking about, they escaped that and then just started going to brunch for a living. And then outside of brunch, they started to try to reinvigorate the cool and infiltrate like cool kid parties where like the bomb DJs are playing and there's no sections and it's just a dance floor. And they are the ones that people complain about just like standing around because they don't know how to operate in non-section atmosphere. It's weird. State of the club. Yeah. That's when we need to invite the dog. State of the club address. We invite, we invite promoters. We invite DJs. We invite dancing dolls. We invite (laughs) us. It is going to be like 10 people 
on this Riverside, and we are going to talk. It might have to be a two-part episode. Yeah, because the people are going to be in their feelings. Because there are things to address. Now we're turning the sites into spaces. Bye, Twitter. <laughs> Bye, Clubhouse. <laughs> Remember that? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, back to our 100th celebration. Um, should we start with the Roots weekend? Had a ball. Still thinking about it. Wish I was still there. It was a happier time. <laughs> Sorry. What was, your, what was your top three highlights of Roots Picnic? Seeing, like, literally every gay below the Mason-Dixon line that I know. Corey, at one point, literally said, you know every homosexual on the Eastern Shoreboard. He was like, Muse, literally from Florida to Maine, why do you know everybody? I was just, I just been on the internet since I was 15. Like, I, I, it's fine. Yeah. That's literally it. That's literally it. No, but I got... Corey has two, and no. No, yeah. Okay. Well, I tried. (laughs) Seeing all of my homeboys, that was cool. Like, seeing people I didn't expect to see. Hey, Jerome. Doll World. And then, finally seeing City Girls in Santana perform was, a like, an a intrinsic moment to the fun that I had. Hmm. I wasn't sure how I would feel, but they put on a really good show. It's interesting to watch them. You turned it around. Like, yeah, like, turn the beat around, looking for percussion. <laughs> I, um, Is that what they say? Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I think it's love to hear percussion. Yeah. Is Turn it? it upside down. You know I'm black and say whatever I want. Fair. <laughs> I mean, it's in your blood. <laughs> so city girls literally look at rapping as a job. And but they don't perform like it. And I like that. Like you feel like they were having fun? They was having a ball. Yeah, they was. And they look bomb. Like, JT and Carisha, two of the cutest girls out. Wow. Out. Period. Oh, and, like, JT literally looks like a doll. Have you seen her latest photos where she has her merch on? No. And it says, and it says cunty. And she got her hair, like, in this, like, ponytail. She has a, a bow in it. She looks like a little... I'm about to say it to you. She looks like a literal doll. I love how every girl rapper is tapping into gay. Like, <laughs> they all say a happy pride as a collective. She's like, okay. <laughs> I'm in the studio playing with my pussy. Rap lottery. So, <laughs> that's what I wanted her to change her name to, but whatever. Oh. So City Girl Santana, that was great. Santana rap like and perform like a dude, even though he be twerking. Like I don't know how to explain that, but his energy give what I needed to give. He's not he's a soft the street drug dealer. Yeah, like he's not. He a, still has that energy of a street drug dealer, even exactly. though it comes is. across. Even yeah. while he fixing his like little shirt tied in a bow, like <laughs> he still give hood nigga on stage in a in a way I didn't expect. That was great. Baller alert got me looking for damn you and Jess in a video while Santana performing. Sick of that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, somebody messaged me and was like, isn't that your friend with the white hat on? <laughs> I'm trying to look at um, me undercutting senior citizens for furniture on <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. So I'm on Messenger. And somebody Facebook messaged me. Unless you talk about furniture, I do not care. But, look, I mean, don't, look also, at, don't look at JT looking perfect. Also fame, so happy to be there. <laughs> Where you send it at? DM. 
Oh, okay. You know I don't get Instagram. She got my heaven boots on. I'm sick. Oh, doll world. <laughs> don't she like a literal Barbie? Do. I'm a bad bitch. I'm a black Barbie. When she said that, she meant that. Did. Take the title away from Nikki. Sick of it. So, <laughs> and then third, that was two things. Third would be, so it's a tie between Isley Brothers because I literally never seen them live before and I almost cried when they did Voyage to Atlantis. It's three-way tie. <clears throat> then I actually did cry at the Backyard and Rare Essence stage because, you know, emotions don't come out of me when they're supposed to, but they gonna come. <laughs> Emotions make you cry sometimes. Oh, and then lastly, when Usher was headlining, but the roots made him and Jasmine Sullivan and Eve do you got me? I'm I'm still mentally there. Excuse me? Mentally there. That Eve Eve looked bomb. She had that glittery Mac glittery glittery maxi dress on with the leather jacket, the oversized joint, the bomb ass combat boots. I was like, you look good for a living. And I be still be watching Eve. Like Eve, how you do it. That's always on my TV, thanks to Cleo. And she looked good back then. Like you just never gonna look bad. Love that. Wish I could have fired. That's what's crazy. She's literally never not gonna look bomb. I'm going to be that when I grow up. Like I'm not, you'll never see me slipping. Wow. No. I'm manifesting it. I mean, you haven't yet. Wow. And I wanted to ride me. <laughs> My warm embrace. Chris Brown trying to change his image too. He just popped up on this little boy dancing on TikTok or something. Like one of his biggest fans was doing this dance and Chris Brown in the whole dancer squad from his tour came out and did the dance with him. That was a very cute moment That's for him. That's nice. He, yeah, he needs like a rebrand in Christ. But, you know, <laughs> back to the roots, my top three roots moments, definitely, okay, y'all know I was like, uh, I don't care to see Usher again. He already headlined Roots Picnic, but they did his set differently yeah. than they had done it last time. So when, when he headlined in 20, I think 18, the roots were his back and band only mm-hmm. and basically what they would do was play the roots would be playing a, the instrumental of a song from the 70s or 80s and then they would have usher doing his cuts over it but this year usher had his own band i'm assuming the vegas girls mm-hmm. um avery wilson was there screaming going off um hey, i still hear him right yeah, now. no shade <laughs> um the decibels were decibeling and I think um, the the I think one of the other background singers was the dark haired girl from JS because you know JS is Osley Brothers background singer. That's, that's why I say I say this looked like Johnson's sister. It was that was her. Okay, she sounded good. Was it looked it like Johnson's sister because we had just seen her the day before singing mm-hmm. with Osley with Ron and them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because both of Johnson's sisters sing for the background for the Osleys. So I loved that we got like kind of the more Vegas version mm-hmm. of um of Usher. But then at some point the roots did come out, but they were still playing with the band he already had up there. Mm-hmm. And they did yeah, the you got me. Cause got at me. first I was like, okay, they always do you got me. Like who cares? 
But then when Jasmine came out looking better than everybody on planet Earth. Like, how do you look so good? That's what Maya said. Why you gotta look so good? Like, Jasmine Medium looks so good. Like, calling people by their continent or their size, hilarious. Two of the funniest things the cast do. Ever. Wow. Jasmine looked this so good. And then I'm sitting there, and as we getting closer, I'm like, hold up. Eve was here two hours ago. Was. If she walk out of here, I'm going to die. And she did. walked out, and what I do? Die. <laughs> and, but they knew I couldn't take too much, so they had her mic low at first. Because they mm-hmm. was like, we don't want to st- stress stuff out too bad. Real bad. So they had her mic low, and then they then they fixed the sound. But yeah, that was definitely my number one moment. Yeah, of roots. My number two moment of roots was the fact that we were able to see Ari and Lucky back to back because you know they are the Tammy Sorrell and Marvin Gaye of this generation. <laughs> you keep saying that, but you're not wrong. She said it, so now I say it. Ari Fair. said it first. Fair. She um, did a bomb. Look better than everybody. Sound bomb. Ari got that track body now, that volleyball body now. Real bad. That's exactly what Sporty gave. And I want every outfit she's been wearing for the last three weeks. She, past, past weeks. Ari, and then she was on that whole church girl thing where she was like, oh, my voice. I'm a little sick. Meanwhile, start yelling. <laughs> like, how you say that and then immediately start <laughs> real, like in the mic. What's you know, what, are you? E, you know, e her letter. <laughs> e is her letter is we nuts. Talking about on Twitter. She was like, okay, me and Rihanna are the E girls. What about it? And Jacquees. We are the E dolls. <laughs> e is four. I'm screaming. Not um, of the day. And yeah, she crushed it and she did. I love she did a great mix of the new stuff and the old stuff. Brand and then we scurry over to Lucky. And Lucky, this is my second time seeing Lucky Day live he's an incredible performer yeah and it was my first time seeing his him live and I am thoroughly pleased he did everything that I needed him to do and whatever those snippets of new songs that he gave us are about to be I am present and accounted for wow listen one of them is called Mary um I've seen one of the day ones talk about it before but I didn't know if he was gonna perform it and he did Best song I ever heard in my life. That's the one where he's like naming the different women? Yes. Oh, can't wait to hear the studio live version. I mean, the studio recorded version because live, it was a problem of public concern. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. The Brandon got it. I mean, first of all, the music itself is good, but it's another thing when you see the music being brought to life. The band was loud. The band was was louder than Avery Wilson. It was only three of them. How y'all louder than both go-go bands? Because they all all church musicians, because loud. They knew what to do, and the mic was on. They said, we won't have no problems with this sound today. Let's talk about the mic being on. The Brandon sings and uplifted the gay taking that shirt off. Okay, yo, he took that shirt off and said, happy pride. <laughs> he know what he doing. I'm not even attracted to Lucky Day, but it was people in the audience swooning of all sexes and sorts. Oh, the day ones were accounted for. Okay. <laughs> that name is taking me to it's a hilarious. place. hilarious. <laughs> the, day, the day ones were accounted for in that thing. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah. he definitely filled out the, the venue. 
But down front, it was a zoo. Like, they were living for him. Also, the fit was bomb. Was. Give it here. Source in the pants now. Um, I think it's Margella the full set. I think I think they said it was Margella. You know, I went and looked at the credits. <laughs> so everybody is coming out with a little metallic two-piece like that, and it's throwing me off because <laughs> I didn't know whether it was Margella, Valentino, or Diesel. Jack Harlow wore like a mint crocodile diesel joint, and then I seen the actual ad for the Valentino one, and now you done thrown Margella in the ring. I'm broke. Like, where are the funds? <laughs> Because I'm tired said, of what is the proof? <laughs> Hold on, I'm going back. I'm going back to the day one page because they they be breaking down his looks. Them having the pages one sickening and two annoying because <laughs> that that name just is funny as fuck to me. Like, why would it be that funny? All celeb like fan and stand names for their little groups. Oh, sorry. Rick Owings. It's a Rick party. That makes all the sense in the world to me because at this point I'm collecting. So let me add it to that collection. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like when you talk about like R&B male singer stage presence of your Lucky gonna do that. He gonna rip this shirt. He gonna slide across the stage on his knees. Mm-hmm. He gonna bring the girl out. But also, we got to see his dark side, y'all, because the sound set was carrying on. I couldn't tell what the issue was, but no, me neither. But it was something with his in ears. Yeah, because he was like, I think it was a couple things. It was one him trying to prove that he didn't need assistance to his mic or like auto tune or anything like that. And at first, I thought he was just, you know, being cocky, which I like. Yeah, he was mad. He was like, cut this auto-tune out my he mic. Said, I don't need it. Cut the auto-tune off now. And then he started going for it at the mic. But I also think that it was something musically it, that was an issue for him in his inner ear, too, because he started to sing a cappella. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, what oh, could it yeah. be? So I didn't know. And when he sung a cappella, y'all... Sounded better than the album. That thing can sing. He just got, like, a crazy eye situation that I want to know more about. But <laughs> other than that... Do you okay. want to know more about it, y'all? Not like in a good way. I don't want to know what's wrong. That something, something is up. Oh, you said it's a cult. Oh, well, we'll chat offline. The the upbringing was a lot on him, but um, yeah, that was definitely my, my my second highlight was um was them two, and then my third highlight. Hmm, this is tough because then it has to be the end of the road. <laughs> Although we go. Hmm. Oh, that song gonna make me sad if I think too hard about it. Wow. Only because this is the first thing that came to mind for my third favorite moment. When Mary Mary was out for Adam Blackstone and they did God in Me, and they brought Coco Jones out to do Kiki Shear's part. And she Coco felt it so good. Yeah. And it's she a- don't normally sing that high. No, she don't. That elevated me to a place, personally. I think there's this small conversation, because a lot of people have been shutting it down. It's a small conversation on Twitter right now about Coco Jones, because some boys said, I don't think that Coco Jones can sing. I'm sorry. And literally everybody that I've ever seen on Twitter from 2009 through now has come and challenged him with a video of her going off live. 
And she, she just did that. the best tone out right now. She got the best tone out. And like you said, she stretches herself vocally live. So she be doing stuff that you wouldn't expect her to be able to do for better or for worse. Like I have heard her voice crack live, but it still added character to the show. It didn't give, oh, you shouldn't have did that. I don't know how to explain it. But I enjoy her. And everything that she's been doing recently has been lovely to me. So <laughs> come on, to me. Like she sounded just Kiara Clark Shear is one of the best singers out. And we say everybody sing better than everybody, but she literally is a singer's singer. You could tell the people that she studied and she's mastered them. Coco sounded just like her. So for you and to be able to mimic, the is, they got the same mother, Brandy. Listen. Because wow. videos of them also came up this week about both of them standing Brandy. Love that. Coco actually just did for Revolt TV like a cover of Brandy's Full Moon for I think it was the 25th or the 30th anniversary. 25th, but Brandy didn't acknowledge it. So did it happen? Fair. But Brandy don't acknowledge nothing unless she doing something. And she might be chilling right now. She shouldn't be chilling for the 25th anniversary of people's favorite. This isn't my favorite album, but it's other people's favorite Brandy album. Like, Hmm. I don't think it's my favorite either, but I do think that Full Moon is her best album. Mm. See, and that's... Again, we do it all the time. Best and favorite. Yeah. It's best not favorite my favorite. It's only not my favorite because I don't find myself going back to the full album as much as I go mm-hmm. back to the full album of Aphrodisiac or, or even 211. But uh. some of my favorite Brandy songs are on Full Moon. Like, I thought... What is wrong with everybody? She sings better than the entire universe in that one outro. She's going off. Whatever. So Brandy owe us a re-record of Full Moon, just like JoJo did a re-record of both of her first two albums. I'm ready for it with the new vocal cords. What's going on, Brianna? She pushing at that daughter, so she ain't think about us. Oh, yeah. Sarah's new song is cute, too. I'm not mad at that. It is cute. I, it's very, like, um, control. Like, I'm... I'm getting older and I want to walk my own path. I like that. Yeah, it sounds like something that they would play, and this is not shade in any kind of way, on the breaks between Disney or Nickelodeon shows. Because you know how their their artists used to have their own commercials and the commercial would be the video. Right. It Mm sounds like like something like that, but I used to buy those songs, so like I'm not mad at them. (laughs) Yeah. Or like Kiki Palmer's Dance Alone, a hit. But don't nobody know that but me. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what that is. Can't oh, and Terrell Grice. Right. <laughs> come on, Kale yeah. Grice. Yeah, Grice need to come sit so we can have a slice. <laughs> a slice of the Grice. <laughs> um, but shout out to everybody. We had fun. Um, I didn't bump into a lot of people at Roots, but um, I was really happy with our, our friend circle. I was about to you say, know, it was like 20 niggas deep. We always come 20 deep. Right. Um, and we had a perfect view. Yeah. Per- like, we had good section last time, but we had a perfect se- section this year. The only um, issue with last year was we kind of forced our way into the walkway. Yeah. And then people couldn't get by no more, but our videos came out great, so fuck y'all. But this year, we wasn't in nobody way, and I like We that. had a clear view. Yeah. Clear view. It was a perfect time. Shout out to everybody that stayed there. Um, Chateau Rebecca, that's my house. <laughs> um, shout out to everybody that stayed in my house. We had a good time. Princess said, what's up? 
what I am manifesting for the next time we do any festival is VIP access, press passes, and a view from the stage. Because those videos that Exo Nicole posted, I was just like, I would have eaten this view. And she not even like that girl like that of 2023. So where is our passing it? Especially when like your mom is the mayor of Philly. We should easily just be thrown in. My mom a hood celebrity for real of Philadelphia. So I love that. So, um, yeah. And then our backyard boogie was so fun. Time of my life. How do we keep having a ball? Why? Yeah. So we okay. Let's start from Thursday. Muse, break down how much fun we had on Thursday, and then we so, can talk about the boogie. And y'all already got the roots. First of all, the rain was trying to be homophobic and end us. Jeez. It was hot blazing hip-hop R&B all day long and then as soon as we put the food out shout out to Sheba Soul Play it starts to come down and I was just like wait how you back that? on Friday I thought we talked about Thursday oh bye <laughs> so we talked about the well I was hungry and Sheba Soul Play came to mind first um well, we will circle back <laughs> why so you got to keep tabs on Stephanie because the whole ride up I'm thinking we just going to her house we like 10 minutes away and she like, oh, where y'all at? Pull up the champagnes. First of all, okay. I owe me because I will go somewhere else. <laughs> Mind you, she lived four minutes away from champagnes driving wise and couldn't even direct us. And I was like, it's fine. We'll get there. <laughs> we get inside champagnes. It was boss lady's birthday. Boss lady being the owner of the facility. Not Zari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, never her. <laughs> Not too much. I don't see it for Zari. Zari boss lady is my doll. I'm sorry. I'm a Zari apologist. I don't know if I see it for anybody on Young Rich or African anymore, but we never discussed. So as soon as we hang up this podcast, we need to talk. I, I can't do it on my YouTube. Um, my YouTube girl videos, drunk in the club. That's funny, swank swank. I um don't see it. Yeah, I don't really like nobody on that show no more, but. Love champagne. Baba. Oh, 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 oh. Not, not even. What's my girl? Um, say bye bye. So, <laughs> I just don't care. Like, mm, mm, I wanted to like the new guy from a butt perspective, but he was running around trying to get everybody pregnant. I was confused. I just. This season didn't do it for me. We'll chat. We'll chat. We'll chat. We'll chat offline. Offline. <laughs> chat and chat. I'm annoyed. So, Champagne's the best establishment this side of the Mason Dixon. Um, within ten minutes of me being in there, I learned to do line dance. I met Boss Lady, owner of the facility. Like the aunts was asking me, "Was I Bobby Brown?" Like this lady literally came up to me and showed me a video of her at New Edition concert and she was recording Bobby Brown solo. She was like, this ain't you. I said, all because they was playing like 80s music and I knew all of the lyrics and was dancing down and just at our table, just like trying to two-step to myself. I won't give it full out for choreography or nothing. But the honestly resonated with me as soon as I moved. So I don't know. <laughs> Had a ball, would love to go back. I told Stephanie, I'm giving meet me there, don't beat me there. No shade. It gave... It took four hours to get my fried shrimp platter because it was a dollar shrimp night. That's how we was there. Well, they wound up giving me like 30 shrimp, y'all. Yeah, and I wore some out. Bomb. We'll go back. 
The shrimps was kind of shit. <laughs> Shout out to Shea Page. Shout out to Patty Jackson, the mouth of Philadelphia Radio, the voice, I'm sorry, of Philadelphia Radio. She was in there for the boss ladies party. That's funny. And so were we. Wow. Shout out to Tamar. Uh, we went to high school together. She was in there. She looked amazing. Did. Tamar, you look good. I don't know if you listen to the cast. Probably don't, but girl. <laughs> Somebody from Central will, and they will go back and tell you I said your name, and you also need to say that you look so good. Yeah, a pretty girl. And a Love nice one. Love that for you. Khadija came. We had a ball. Had a ball. Look, was with Khadija all weekend. She on the cast now, too. Love her. <laughs> Even though she scammed me to go to the hood bar on Saturday, we um I missed Prize, and um I missed the Fuji's reunion. I'm so, in the hood bar dancing to act bad, and I get a text message that Prize ain't in prison no more, and why class and they up there doing how many mics do I rip on the deli? Many money, said me, say many, many, many. And I'm in the hood bar waiting for my shrimp to come out. This is crazy. Yeah, I. Well, we both got scammed a little bit because that whole house party wasn't all of that either. But I um just needed to, you know, secure a plan after, like I said that I was going to, I'm a man of my word. I do what I say I'm going to do. And I didn't want no repeats or revisits or rehashings, Rihanna reloaded of the last year's shenanigans when we ain't had nothing to do after. And I went home and watched Martin on the couch. The last year's is funny. <laughs> last week's. So had a ball. Philly was a time all in all. Shout out to everybody that came to that fucking backyard boogie. It was like, how do we keep getting better? It's more fun, more tasty, more sponsored. Thanks, Deleon. Every year. Shout out to Gigi from Oprah Rose for being our connect. Um, Deleon is delicious. We already talked about it on the kids, but. Yeah, I scammed the bottle. Um, Yeah, a time was had. Like. In the Lord, like we ate good. What a time! I loved it. I loved that for us. I'm, I'm so like grateful for all y'all that came out. We had a good time. We played Risha Roulette. Y'all are ghetto, ghetto, disgusting. <laughs> that game is insanity, pain. like ridiculous. I take and three. All y'all that was asking clarifying questions. Black people always go and try to ask a question so they can get, like, if the question is have you ever snorted coke, then they, people be like well, if it was vacation, do a count, take that shot. <laughs> take the shot and leave us alone. Or it'll be like, slap the lady slap the person next to you or take three shots. Just like, don't really slap the person. Just take, the, the point of the game is to get drunk. You're not about to start a fight in the backyard boogie. Enough, everybody. <laughs> Well, it was no fight, so we did lose two glasses. So how do I say goodbye to what we had? But it's all right. I live by myself. So why do I need four glasses? Like, well, I only need two because I don't be inviting nobody over. So I'm screaming because four is a standard. here for me and Princess. Princess, you got a cup. I got a cup. Pull me a cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Finally know where the drinks belong. What what electric grand say? Po sip. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Binky, Doll World. Yeah. <sighs> On her own. Literally. I mean, all of them in their own right are the doll, but like that's literally but an episode. Bink is a different doll. <laughs> Come on the cast, Binkster. 
Speaking of different doll, Cash Doll's hair as Cash Doll hair is always good. Her real <laughs> hair and her wigs are always good. But the bounce and behave style she's been wearing lately. When she pulled Arcane, the, uh, where is her Tony Award? It was like a side part Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett situation <laughs> that she had. I was like, bring back the seventies. What's going on? Yeah, you look good. All what happened? Do I don't know how we started <laughs> talking about <laughs> Cash Doll, but I mean, Muse with the News is all about rap girls. So Wait, did we finish talking about everything with all of our celebrations? No, I was um, just shout out to Chupa Play A Good. Shout out to Stable Arts for ramping up our hundredth anniversary. We um the episode will be coming shortly where we give a um a historical recap of the LGBTQIA CLC community Elizabeth and rap music. We did <laughs> we because of time we weren't able to say all the dolls. So do want to give a special shout out to our faves, Tracy Chapman and Michelle Deggiocello. Mm-hmm. Um, Hometown heroes like Rum Gold. We didn't get a chance to talk about him. He just dropped a new project that's amazing. So it's a lot of gay in the world. Is um and shout out to Mal from Ultimatum for being fine. Specifically <laughs> to oh. you. Um, I'm you know you. my DMs are open. Uh, like I said during the live, Stephanie wanted to be on the spectrum so bad. And she was like, people be fine. She's not wrong. Do. Because th- when, it's, when it's trans nigga Thursday on Twitter. Yeah, the way that my DMs be popping, thanks to Stephanie, literally just sending me and trans Ryan, men. Ryan be sending the T-boys too. It's a group chat. It's sad. But they all be fine, so I get <laughs> they it. They all be fine. What's up? But I don't, I don't, I don't like the like faux... That's weird. I don't. I don't like that. But we're gonna get canceled. Wow. I like. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm the problematic one. Interesting. So, yeah. Thank y'all. <laughs> it's been great. The site is having a good year. Let's chat. Let's chat. Uh. Now we can really slide in the news with the news. I was just trying to prepare y'all for what was next. Okay, people so are fighting. L- people are fighting, and it's like a lot going on with the rap girls just in general. I'm talking about the senior citizens fighting, but this oh. is your segment, so I'm gonna shut up. No, we can l- actually slide into that as well. But just to give some context, Jocelyn been fighting everybody, Babyface and Anita Baker been fighting everybody, and <laughs> the rap girls are actually playing nice. That's interesting. It's so different. Like, what is happening? But to like slide through it real quick because long ass episode coming to you. Megan's case still humbling and bumbling and annoying. Tory Lanez then got his sentence delayed for the third time. And then what? exactly he jail today. Well, so is Trump. What's next? Like <laughs> I just don't really actually know what the ramifications are, but the people are saying it got delayed again. Let's hope for the best because I want jail time for all. And extradite him. Yeah, it's annoying. But th- and then it also came out, a memo got leaked from some LA prosecutors suggesting that he get a 13-year sentence. That's one. And two, it also unveiled that during Roland Loud's 2021 performance, Megan's show almost got crashed by DeBaby and Tory Lanez. Y'all are going to jail that way. Like, <laughs> what? 
Wait. Enough. Like I just that's okay. That's beside the point. Nikki got rid of them titties. Jail too as like an a, a um accomplice. Right. Guilty by association. Because they because he used to be Megan's doll. World. Yeah, like they wrapped the same. So it gave they were like work, best work girl life work husband. Yeah. Like it was given Cher and um Sunny. Neon. No shade. <laughs> yeah, that too. So Ebony and Ivory. Jail him. EJ King jail him too. Oh shit. Yeah, everybody that said anything against Megan, Alcatraz. Now. So <laughs> What I was about to say was Nikki got rid of them boobs. I don't really care that much, but sure. Ain't happiness. No oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, Nikki got big. Like, it gave, I'm about to blow up for a second. So, I'm glad that she's taking, you know, preventative action for the back pains that were about to ensue. Well, probably already were ensuing because she, that baby also adds meat to the exactly. boobs. Shout out to Kiki Palmer. I was literally about to say, just look at Kiki Palmer's upgrades just from popping a, a chow out the pooch. So, <laughs> Nikki, whatever. She got a new song coming out with Ice Spice called Barbie's World. You are too big and grown. Um, <laughs> it's just enough. Super freaky grandma. Super freaky late. So, all of the dolls, like literally same time or right after Roots Picnic, every rap girl under the sun was at Summer Jam giving each other so much life and love. It was Maya the Dawn. It was, I think, Ken the Man, Lotto. Uh, some of the love and hip-hop girls that actually were talented that never really popped off like they should. I love to see it. Lola Brooke. Doll World. Um, what's, what's, what's the pretty girl that's scary? Scarlet. Scarlet. Everybody loves Scarlet now. I'm so happy to know that she's not insane. Yeah. And pretty. Pretty out. Very cute girl. And a nice lady. Yeah, Crazy, she... but persona-wise, like, I think what she's trying to give as a rapper is a little intense, but I like that she's not like that all the time. That we know of. <laughs> no, she... Well, it be a mix, because when she do her spoken word, it be scary, too. Spoken word is also nuts. Enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have time for brother in the nightness right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving... losing your left thigh. Okay, are we at the den? Where's Andel? Um, <laughs> yeah. Then Not another thing that's happening: Coyle Ray is calling all of the current women in hip hop to make this year's first number one for the genre. So this is random. I feel rap hasn't had a number one song on Billboard all year long, and we six months in. That's interesting. That's suspicious. And me and Ev okay. found a through line that that might somehow also be connected to the fact that because puppies are going to day parties, they're not consuming as much rap as they used to. I see that. So it's back because to the club. Puppies do not know. Puppies don't know. Um, He got all these little bitches in the biggest one is me. Love that song. <laughs> like that was a big song for for Glorilla, but a puppies who are a large population of human beings in America don't know that song. If you want no butter back, you gotta tell me, please. Money good check, <laughs> pussy good check, mama good check. Right now I'm feeling blessed. 
They don't know that song. Don't. I barely do. But also, Glorilla ate Roots Picnic. Just wanted to say that. And I ain't even yeah. seen the whole thing. She, she had the fucking... an amazing performer. Yeah, she had the man talking like it was damn Webster Hall and the wood was shaking. It gave, like, are you Travis Scott? And I only seen a piece of her performance and I already know it was wild. No, Glorilla so, was so good. And Sid was really good, too. We didn't talk about everybody that performed because it's just too much to talk about, but... Happy Pride, Sid. I, um... <laughs> think it's very strange that we haven't had a number one with like i just want to rah 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 body yada yada like that's out it's just certain stuff that i hear all the time that you would think was a number one because future had a number one last year fucking i think little baby had a number one last year it was like a big year for hip-hop number ones and it was songs that i don't care about so now it's songs out that i'm like oh this my shit and it's not doing shit on the charts that's strange so coyla ray basically is like a ladies' night esque song might do the trick, and she want all her dolls in the video with her. Coyla Ray, shout out to Dee Dee from fucking Oprah Rose. He be uplifting her name a lot on Twitter, and her music is not bad at all. Like it's not that last album went underrated because that song "Blick Blick" with Nicki, y'all know that's my cut. Yeah, you did like that song, but her new Lucy. I like the song with better. her too. The song with her was my favorite on the album. That album versus what's been coming out now like players or bops or she got a new song that's about to come out that's got some old like 80s sample she's a sample queen right now and i'm yeah, not that's her new bag right now that's that tiktok vibe yeah but bops got a little pharrell beat and she looked like a little pharrell girl in the video very old brand it's cute i like her she don't bother like her. she looked bomb in her new little um I don't know if it's the ad, but is it Anthony Vaccarello or whatever his name is? Mm-hmm. What is it YSL? I thought I sent it to you. Maybe I sent it to Core. I know I sent like, you. She's in a, new, a fashion campaign. She looks bad. She's on the remix to one of Ray's songs. Y'all know I stand Ray. She eats that verse and just looks yeah, like so YSL. She look good. I'm about to send it to you. Oh, I love that. Get your endorsements, dolls. We want some. Blunt biggest Coyle Ray. She said, I love your body, Coyle Ray. I love when the dolls clear things up because they don't really need any more beef in the rap world. I'm sick of all of it. Right. Like, I, I mean, all the rap girls get along except for Onika. Yeah. And she's like henchmaning the wrong people, I feel. But whatever. That's another episode that we don't even have to have. I'm tired of talking about her, too. Other than that, it's almost too much going on to talk about Anita Baker and Babyface. Sick of it. Jackie came with her own allegations against Anita today. So, Anita, you need a PR job, a new PR job. I'm so you know I went to see Anita on her tour. Babyface did good. The timing wasn't lagging that crazy. It wasn't. It didn't seem like it was no issues. Anita sound better than the album. She did gather sound throughout, but <laughs> and it by didn't other, bother me. He, she cussed out the sound people. Yeah, she. It was basically a part of her show to fix the sound throughout because she <laughs> definitely kept talking to them. But it didn't get on my nerves because after she did it, she would literally say, and I think I might have said this before. She would literally say, "Can't you tell the difference?" Like she would sing that the sound was different to the audience, See? and it was. So she's not wrong. I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> I heard about the allegations. 
we saw that some issues were going on before she did her Baltimore show here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Baltimore's not here, but y'all know what I mean. And Babyface has like a reason to be upset, but it seems like there is way more going on behind the scenes than we know. And well, I don't want to. Babyface hasn't been saying anything. It's Anita that has been on Twitter acting crazy, cursing out his fans and saying that his fans is called Kenny's Crazies. Kenny's Crazies is crazy. So, and then she going to get up there and say, oh, yeah. And out of unprompted, she unprompted. said, oh, yeah. And and, and um, Babyface don't like Beyonce. And then she, she signified the Kenny's Crazies in that tweet so that the hive could get sicked on them. She's the doll is nuts. But she just reminds me of an unhinged aunt. Like, I don't... I think that I'd be taking up for people like Anita Baker and, like, Giselle on Potomac and all of those <laughs> ladies because NeNe Leaks, like, they're great for Scandal, great for TV, great for me. And they <laughs> remind me of... Or aspects of them remind me of, like, literally archetypes of women that I know. Like, these be how my aunts act. If you get them drunk or if you get them in a, a situation that they don't care for, they're going to lash out like Baker. <laughs> Either way, Anita's been going off. Babyface has not been saying nothing. And that automatically make Anita look crazy, even if she right, because we yep. don't know what the truth is. But I, I, <laughs> I don't know, y'all. I really don't know. I don't know who I believe. And I don't even think that I care because she did my show right. And I'm probably not going to never see her again anyway because she retiring every year and no shade i've seen anita quite a few times and i know everybody is sick now because she kicked babyface off the tour but guess what i'm gonna be in vienna virginia Ooh, that's random and i will be seeing babyface alone so so it's him and um and uncle charlie you know this is Jackie has forced this concert on me. Vienna is not far from me. Yeah, like I, she's already brought up what you're doing, and I was like, I don't know. You well, know, maybe we could do like brunch or something because I know Jackie be over me for being busy when she come in here. Vienna is literally Tyson's. Like I used to work right. in Tyson's. It's not far. Yeah, we're gonna be at the Black Bear or whatever that venue is called out there. But yeah, it's Babyface and Uncle Charlie. So, um. All of y'all, that's when we missing Babyface because he got kicked out the town. Buffy can't relate. I will be seeing <laughs> Babyface for the zillionth time because me and Jack love seeing Babyface because he's ghetto. No, Babyface is actually the doll live. Like, like he be trying to act like his persona has always been he's upper crust and upper echelon. Babyface is ghetto. Yeah. He, like, so bad. His, um, Tiny Desk, A Time in the Lord. I haven't watched yet. Something about the Tiny Desk, I be overstimulated at the thought of them for whatever reason, even though it's only like 10 minutes. Yeah. Don't get I don't it. know. Something about it be stressing me out. I think maybe because everybody's talking about it at once that it just makes me anxious. But I usually watch Ooh. the Tiny Desk like two months after they come out. Sing Genuine. Meet me at 1130. Hello? I love it when you're talking, child. So... <laughs> I only saw I only saw clips and I think that some of those songs Shantae Moore should not have been singing but Doll sings and do, wait, I, do, do. <laughs> I do like the lineup 
I love the shine that Avery Wilson has been getting just in general from a vocal beats perspective. Tank and Shantae Moore, excellent choices. Um, I know that Brooke Valentine is about to do op shawap, pop, pop, bam, boom on the backgrounds of another tiny desk. For Tank. If, if, if for Tank, can't wait. The background for Darrell Babs. I love can't that wait. Darrell Babs, the general saying background for Faith and then got his own tiny desk. And it looked like it happened the same day. So they working overtime down at the NPR. Well, he probably forced a hand. You know, the, the general <laughs> always put himself. Because he done inserted himself in the mess with Babyface and Anita Baker. I'm like, he the real. He it with Babyface. But he's also been saying some, like, he's been making some off-putting moves. Like, every time Brandy is mentioned on his podcast, it'd be like a wince or a ha huh or okay. Like, he's <laughs> giving say my name, say my name. I don't know what's going on with Darrell Babs, but it seems like he's not respecting the um, the biblical text. And I <laughs> have things to say about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. It's crazy. <laughs> That's what he did. On, on, on a couple episodes, too. I'll be listening. Multiple episodes. What is the truth? Hurts. So, yeah. That's... All that I had to say about what's been going on. I'm sick of everybody. Except the rap girls. Huh. Coco Jones about to come out with a new video. It's a lot going on. Like, and it better be for a song I want it to be. Oops. Or else. SZA and Lizzo co-headlining Made in America. Like, it's a lot going on, actually. Hot Topics could be longer, but we don't want to have a three-hour show. Yeah, um... Um, Made America is giving hip hop Lilith fair. They got all the rap girls. Like seventy one percent of the lineup is the rap girls. This is their show. I like that. Y'all still not gonna get me. You can't get me. <laughs> you can't trick me. With the with the thigh slap. <laughs> Made America want me to come so bad. Nah, Dude, it's always like the beginning of September, and September is just so booked for me. Like, I went Rihanna year. Rihanna year was all that I needed. I like to bow out gracefully and leave out on a high. September so booked for me is funny. <laughs> it's just May and September, I be worn out. Ugh. Birthday after birthday after birthday. birthday. Yeah, and then it's my birthday. I want to take a solo trip. I need to That's relax. That's what I said. We got to be your birthday. Yeah. So it be I'm going to figure out. I'm going to figure out what to do. The people trying to get me to come to New Orleans, that could be cute. Could. Isaiah had already talked about hosting one of the nights. I'm just like, cool, because I don't want to do shit. Tired of doing shit. Tired of planning stuff. Tired of making a way. Finding one. Bye. Um, <laughs> I sound like my mom. That's crazy. <laughs> Shout out the name. Word the name. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to see Scissors again. I don't have any interest in seeing Lizzo. Prettiest girl, I would love to look at you, but the song's not going to do nothing for me, and I would hate to have to leave. So... I'm going to just sit it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are, you, are you going to Broccoli City? Because you've been saying you're not going. Somebody was trying to sell tickets earlier today, and I was just like, I'm not buying them. I don't want to go unless the cast is ushered in through VIP. And by VIP, I mean the VIP within the VIP, because DC is pretentious and annoying thanks to transplant culture. And Rose Bar has a VIP section within the VIP section that you have to buy additionally on top of. That's too much. I told you how this go. That really just put me in a bad place for the past couple Broccoli Fest. So I'm boycotting unless the cast gets press passes. The end. 
I just seen all of them people that's on that lineup. Anyway, it's Lil Uzi, Jasmine Sullivan. Only person that's there that I haven't seen yet is Ice Spice. And she not a good performer, so like I'm not I'm not going to Broccoli just for off the strength of Icy Spicy. I'm sorry. And there's no shade. Princess Diana is a hit, but Gangsta Boo is too, but I just don't care. Gangsta Boo is my song. See? And acting the smoochie supposed to be my song of the summer, but so many other songs been coming out now, it's stressful. But I, I also want to say you brought up Jasmine. So last Saturday, when we were at our live at Stable Arts, shout out to Malik Glee. Doll world. I'm gonna keep saying that. Um the Jasmine Sullivan concert in Atlantic City happened. Originally, it's supposed to be Queen Niger, Janae Aiko, and Jasmine. Mm-hmm. However, it turned into Queen Niger, Ori Lennox, and Jasmine. Wish that we were crazy enough to drive up there after, but we didn't do Yeah, it. because that would have elevated the celebrating. Yeah. But I wonder what that meant for Janae. Like, I hope it's mom stuff and not anything detrimental because i need new janae soon been waiting on it let that lady be a mom what kiki say i got insurance she said i am a mom (laughs) i have kids okay (laughs) she said her favorite lie is oh i can't because of the baby see that's about to be me people gonna be asking me to do something like oh damn i can't watch a malachi shit (laughs) (laughs) we're like oh muse what you doing tonight oh nothing um kj coming over here we having an uncle day (laughs) (laughs) not using them kids to stay in the house i'm I'm about to do something because in a minute it's gonna give them again we'll chat offline bye oh i'm i need a break i'll just say that like it's been back to 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 weekends and next week, after this Steve Lacey, James Blake, Tor Imah, Fouché situation we doing as a family, shout out to everybody that's performing. Shout out to us for continuing the party. But, like, I need to go to bed. It's just too much going on. Um, San Francisco, Philly, live festival this weekend. That's four weekends just been planned out. You know I'm always busy, but I like for it to be a unplanned busy outside of key events or key dates throughout the year and it's just been like plan after plan after plan and i'm over it so next week i'm not trying to do nothing watch me still be that is gonna make you come outside on friday so cancel boys night well jack might want to come because you know she loved brian too child boys night on friday child the people be asking me what i'm doing on friday like they don't already know i'm at ron house laying on the couch <laughs> listening to them yell over top of drag race <laughs> no we is spending the night so no shade we could go to brunch <laughs> on Saturday with um with jack and ron i'm down i really that's not a real plan like going out to eat don't count this is why i can't never sit down but i mean like but a this yeah, and I could tell that Jack be over it that I don't come to Philly for long. So I need to spend time with my sister. <laughs> well, you out another weekend. Yeah, I'm over it. What I'm doing the last weekend of June, it's been a lot on the weekends. That's the last weekend? Damn, because then the weekend no, after that. No, it's not, because it's oh. another week. Well, the, the next weekend is June 30th, that Friday, and then July 1st is that Saturday. I'm going to Atlanta that next weekend. I don't sit down. We didn't talk offline also about that. 
Yeah, I'm sick of us from a yeah. homecoming perspective. Because uh, Mama is yeah. flying on with, with one knee. Like, um, the quote my dog from, from uh, Sparkle. She said, you know, sister can't fly on one wing. She said, I'm like a bird. I just want to fly away. That's what you said. <laughs> I don't know where my home is. That's what I said. <laughs> Damn. Woo, sit down. Us. We are a tree. We can't be, we can't move. That's right. That's right. Apparently we can be. But then whatever weekend that is, right after that is Don Tolliver concert and the 4th of July stuff. And DC do a lot for the 4th of July. I'm over myself. So again, next week, don't talk to me, nobody. (laughs) From Juneteenth until further notice, leave me alone. I have some things to do. I... I got work to do. My voice cracked I like cocoa. Work, baby. I got I work. Got a job. I got a job, baby. Oh, yeah. Dang. Speaking of, I was feeling like Vanessa Williams today. When okay. I um, took my hair out and my curls didn't fall in the front, I was feeling like her comfort zone era. <laughs> I saw you tweet about it and I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, but funny. And I got my little Jill Sander knit tank and I had like yeah. a, um, huh? class listen and i got a um some like vintage high-waisted mom jeans i and like a simple hoop and i had the boot on <laughs> hair i was like it is giving comfort zone <laughs> album cover tees is- <laughs> <laughs> like, that whole era like shanice i love your smile do 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 it's giving that whole time frame i like it do it again yeah, I was feeling my cunts. Um, in my and you know, I'm not a simple dresser. Like you're not gonna see me in a pair of jeans and a cream tank ever. But that's not sheer. Right. Everything I wear is sheer and cut out. But today I look like um um I look like Phoebe Philo today. So I sent a picture to Corey. Corey wants me to look like Phoebe Philo more. Yeah, I get it. Corey, me and Corey was having um we were having sartorial conversations about Usher at Roots because I personally love the all red Milano look. Shout out to Jeremy and Mark Manning, honestly. Shout out to Clark Atlanta. Shout out to Clark Atlanta. Shout out to the illustrious. Shout out. Put the light on them. But also every leather piece on stage I wanted because Black Thought, first of all, fine. Second of all, his leather jacket almost was belted to make it look like it had a little bit of a peplum. I was like, this is sickening. What's going on? Source the leather, doll. Was it All Saints? What was it? Was it, <laughs> was it Saint Laurent? What was it? Come on. What was it? That's a hashtag. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm on a constant quest to find out what it's giving. That's why I got a travel Sunday. Uh, okay. Are we done? We be trapping, trapping <laughs> and chatting. We so um we gotta do our nail listening before we have our exciting guest. Brr, 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 brr. So excited about it's really new era of the cast, y'all. We are leveling up like the era. Level up, level up, level up ahead. We doing the dance. You just can't see us. It's fine. Video footage coming soon. Because <laughs> I could definitely make a clip out of this. Uh. Yeah, really, really excited about who we're about to talk to. We've been holding it in, keeping it a secret, but wow. Talk about the biggest. Talk about <laughs> Stephanie, please. <laughs> I couldn't even finish my little thought. Bye. 
So who you been listening to? <laughs> um, well, you know, during Roots era, I was really only listening to people that would be performing at the Roots. I like to prepare my spirit, make sure I have mm-hmm. my lyrics together in order Smart. to show up properly for all of my dolls that performed at Roots this year. Um, but now that I've made my own version of Janelle Monet's album. Stephanie thinks she me, truncating the list and unchecking it from her iTunes. Did you, you have I to. made a whole new album, y'all. I look, I took out like nine songs and, and interludes, rechanged like changed the sequencing. Everything. So I have my own EP version of the Age of Pleasure, and I've been listening to that nonstop. Um, for y'all that don't know, I'm a Pisces and my Venus is also in Pisces. So I am always seeking pleasurable experiences. Um, and that is really my thing. And, you know, I've been more um, intentional about seeking out pleasurable experiences since 2016 when um, Esperanza Spalding put out that song, Rest in Pleasure, which is a banger. Yeah, it is. Um, and that was like my theme for the year or whatever, because I always have themes for the year. The theme for this year is big bag. <laughs> and let me tell you, I, I collected another bag today. I've been booking the gigs, okay? Since it got warm outside and the coats came off, I've been booking the gigs. But I need my invoice checks to come. It's 555 Make-A-Wish. God, please. This is a man of my dreams. I want to date another nigga ever. God, please. My dream nigga. This is my dream nigga. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I was on the phone and it was eleven eleven yesterday, and I was like, "God, please, my just my dream, nigga." I mean, I get it. <laughs> and the other person on the phone was like, "Girl, shut up." <laughs> also, I get it. <laughs> anyway, I love how we be on the cast saying stuff without saying stuff, and people just laugh and don't know what we're really talking about. That's everything. We'll talk. <laughs> Offline. Offline. Somebody always talk about being a Pisces and it connected her to music. Girl, we don't care if you a chicken wing rising with a lemon pepper moon. Do you like the songs? I'm (laughs) crying, but what I was trying to get to was that, you know, because of my sign, that I'm just like a naturally person that's all about sensuality and pleasure. And um, Janelle Monae is in her losing her virginity era. Um, I'm sorry. But like some of the songs, like the single, horrible. I don't okay. Wanna... Yes, because float sound like 2012, 2013 Migos cadence awfulness, and I was like, Janelle, you are better than this. You are the same lady who did Arc Android. Don't fail us. I don't You're understand. The audition. You know, I'm st- I'm spiritually still at audition. I get it because Metropolis could like, end me today. I need people to understand that, like Janelle Monet vocally mm-hmm. is one of the best vocalists of our generation but because she don't sing on her singles people don't get the album and know that she can really sing like her tone is crazy yeah she sings better than a lot of the girls but i think that because of persona and give some artists do this thing where that becomes the focal point and the vocal point takes a back seat which she is singing on this album. I, I'm not going to take the vocal away. You got to get to the back of the album till she starts singing. You got to get to the back of the back of the... And like the lyrical content sometimes do give just Childish. that 
Yeah, I, like, I don't want to say what I was going to say. I'm trying not to get us canceled. No, but... no, no. We was going to call a thing a thing, and then we're going to give her flowers immediately after. My yeah. whole thing is like, and it's the same uh, critique that I had for Scissor. What you, you talking know, about? You, know, you are staunchly in your thirties. Yeah. Like you was living on Clark campus when I was living on Clark campus. So that means you almost 40 like I am. And when I was on Clark campus, you were ushering in a new wave of students because I'm the same class as your younger cousin. So it's just like, girl, you're grown. Good girl and grown. grown. And, yeah. and it, this album, okay, I want to talk about it from a, a top level and then we'll get to the lower level. Uh, overarching and the marketing and promotion she's been doing around it is giving me ex-Tina Dirty mixed with Chloe Bailey. <laughs> I hate that I understand that and like it makes perfect sense. I just, I didn't want you to say Chloe, but it is very good girl gone bad before Rihanna because Rihanna made good girl gone bad as a thing time. And this and, is... And, really, and we really felt like she was like bad a bad girl, girl. Now, as opposed to like posing for it. But then also too, Rihanna was like 22 doing it. Christina was like 20, 21 doing it. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm like, back, we're used to the, the, the pop girls having their, I'm a woman, I'm grown, see me mm-hmm. as an adult era but they have it at a in their early 20s so but I also think that 40 that at 40 it's it, off-putting and then i think it makes sense when the it makes behavior around it is alarming it's you're crazy but i it's yes chloe belly like when she was throwing her cooch around singing nina samo at the black history event i'm Girl, so sick of that so ggu go get up hashtag i the references that you used are perfect because they came at a time when it made sense, not only in that specific artist's life, but also for what was happening surrounding them as a musical icon. So Dirty, Stripped, all of that, that entire era was a very specific and pointed opposition to Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you want to be bad? I can be better. Anything you can do, I can do better. That made sense because they were feverishly put against each other in the industry. Rihanna just hated all her music and was like, this isn't me. This isn't the type of shit that I want to make. I am this girl. I'm going to sit in this chair. Ursula, I'm cutting. What you about to do after? Like mm-hmm. It literally gave that. I've read articles about how she made them cut her hair basically he did it behind the labels back and showed up with this black vibe and they were like where are the brown bundles exactly because they wanted her to be island beyonce and she was just like that's not even why beyonce likes me though Mm. because it's a very famous part of andre harrell's book where he basically tells the world that beyonce co-signed rihanna's stardom and it's just like, she was like, this is the girl who's going to do everything that I can't do because I'm scary and I'm America's sweetheart and I need y'all to look at me a certain way. This is, I'm inferring, but this is what it meant. And Rihanna literally was the antithesis of Beyonce while parallel pathing her success. Everything. Read the book if you don't have it. I'll put the name in the list, in the little description or whatever. So those two artists doing this whole like switcheroo made sense. Janelle has kind of been a different version of herself every album, and we've oh, accepted. Use the right pronouns. Also, I've, I'm sorry, we're using the wrong. It's, Janelle uses they them pronouns now. 
I said this on the live. I don't know the rules anymore. I don't even know whether I knew that. So apologies in advance. Janelle actually is the homie friend to the show, but I just have a lot of things to say about her at all, t- about them yeah. at all times. Yeah. Um, love you doll, but enough. So with, with, with Janelle doing this now I, and us having the historical background context and all of that, that we've always had on her, y'all know where I kind of stand with oh, them. Sorry, everybody. Happy pride. So yes, but now even though I like the album, to your point, it is, it's like she, it's like they, <laughs> this is bad. It's like they are just now coming into themselves sexually, but you told us that you did that on the last album. Mm-hmm. So now I'm confused. Like, Take a Bite, Pink, that entire era of yours was literally you saying the same thing that you're saying right now less sexually so i don't i just don't know how to take them and sometimes. we don't need the shock value with the flashing of the boobs and all that kind Great of stuff boob, my whole thing is none of that is shocking no because everybody is queer now yeah and my nips be out all the time like same, same honestly like so, shit as a cast yeah, literally. So, like, all the marketing around it and, like, the antics and stuff have just been, kept me from actually listening to the album when it first, first came out because I was just like, doll, you are not the first queer person. Like, I literally was a lesbian in Brooklyn. Yeah, you were, which is so strange. But this is crazy because it, it's a great segue into some of the stuff that we will eventually talk about on this episode with artists, like, kind of being performative in a certain way re- regarding sexuality or regarding what they want the public to think about them. And I just never wanted that or saw it coming for Janelle. So it's always been a little strange to me that this was the direction that we were going mm-hmm. as a person who used to party at their house and come to the the uh, holiday shindigs and just like kiki up close and personal shout out to concrete loop and my time with Brian Patrick Davis for those invites. But who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? I, well, I would have thunk because I felt like Janelle's whole career and ter- outside of what us in the AUC know has been a shtick. And my sure. thing with Janelle has always been, you are one of the greatest voices of our time. And when you can sing the way Janelle Monet sings, you don't need a shtick. You don't need to wear the, the suit. You don't got to wear the black. You don't do none of that because Janelle can literally get on the stage in a potato sack and flat foot out sing the nation. And so some people need a little oomph to whatever, but I don't (laughs) feel like Janelle needs that. And Janelle has always hinged on antics when you don't need that. It's crazy because she's just overall one of the most talented dolls we got. Like, she can act her ass off as well. And in interviews, you'll hear her. Damn. Guess, oh my God. In interviews, you will hear them cape for some of the antics. Like they talk about how they come from a theater background and have always just been very dramatic and theatrical and always had a specific type of give or creative outlet that they were trying to hone in on in a specific time frame. But like you said, we never needed that from you. 
And when you stop wearing the Sammy Davis cosplay, I thought it meant we were going to get the real doll. So seeing the variations of Miss Monet this entire time. Them Monet. I don't think that that's, so like that's an actual confusing confusing thing. What would be the, um, what is that called? The prefix? But you don't use a prefix. Okay. Bear with me, children. I am still learning. Me, Tiana. I like niggas, and that's all that I say from a pronoun perspective. It's given very much so. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, but so for me, Janelle's albums have been hard to listen to because I like, I love Janelle's singing voice. I love how they sing. I love their vocal decisions. And when you're putting out songs like Yoga and Lipstick Lover, I can't tap in. But there's always two or three songs per album that really resonate with me. Mm -hmm. And um, for this album, there's actually like five songs I really like. And I love, overall, it's Sonically, it's the most beautiful album that I've heard this year. And that's a lot because Sonically, Daniel Caesar's album, like just instrumentals of Daniel Caesar's album, like kind of changed my life a little bit. (laughs) Um, But Asia Pleasure instrumentals and the way the songs flow into each other perfection i love the island nigeria lagos vibe <laughs> that the album is giving i love the interludes including ooh la la with grace jones live for it um um and the rush with Nia Long. I love to go into that. So yeah, the songs that I really, really love from the album that are a part of my version of the album that I will make available um for our listeners. Because I sent it because Ev was like, I'm not listening to that album. Send me the best. And I said, Oh, I done made a whole new EP. See <laughs> that you can use. Um, but I I love the rush with Nia Long talking at the beginning. Everything. I, I love No Better with CK and Sean Kuti. I love Paid and Pleasure, Only Have Eyes for Two, and A Dry Red. So literally song 11 to 14 is my cut. <laughs> I'm screaming because I get it. And I only got to The Rush and The French 75 with Sister Nancy. After that, I started listening to my now plan. So I haven't even listened to the songs that you like the best yet. That's crazy. Oh, uh, when you when you get in, you're gonna get in <laughs> their warm embrace. <laughs> Tiana Taylor said, get in. I get it. What you been listening to? Fresh, I'm about to go pee. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I even have as much to say about this new newer artist as I did about Janelle and Janelle wasn't even in my now playing, but I really refuse to stop listening to Maida's new album. It's called When I Hear Your Name. I currently feel exactly how she does. <laughs> so that's one reason that I'm resonating with it so bad. But from top to bottom, like the intro the first song of this project, Sexual Love featuring James Fauntleroy. James Fauntleroy just has this power to overtake an artist and bring out a new sound of theirs that you didn't even know they were capable of without 
all all in his own tradition and his own style without taking away from that artist's gig. I don't know if I can explain it better than that, but just listen to anything that he's featured on with anybody, whether it's the stuff back in the day from the cocaine 80s, if it's the Outer Limits EP with India Sean, or even if it's fucking Firebomb and Get It Over With with Rihanna. Like, James Fauntleroy is the doll when it comes to taking the girls under the wing and the thing. Sexual Love, track one, Meta featuring James Fauntleroy is probably the best new artist song I have heard all year long. That is an allegation. I, I'm, I'm a stick beside it. Like, sexual love sounds completely different than anything else that is on the radio. It sounds completely different from anything that I've heard from Meta but it also is the direction that I want her to go in from now on forever, ever, amen. Like, think about Rihanna's most sultry music, but then put it on a, like, JoJo, Mariah Carey mix of a vocal. Oh. My doll is singing. And the lyrics, you know we lyric children, so let me pull up the paperwork real Real quick, Doll is saying some things. Doll is saying some things, and I am in agreement. I just, huh? Wow. Hold on, y'all. Let me get my life together. This album, Doll Baby. I literally stopped what I was doing after the second listen of <laughs> track one, and I said, "Stephanie, you need to listen to Mada's first pro- first um first song on her album." You did. Like, you went off. I and I listened to it in the car for the first time. We was on the way to uh, Malachi little graduation cookout, and I had just popped the edible and it was about to kick in. <sighs> I <laughs> the new girls are not new girling like Maida is. I'm sorry. Oh, like she. We say this about everybody, but she sings better than everyone. So in these fucking lyrics, let's go off for five seconds. Huh, where are the lyrics at? Genius? Read the lyrics. <sighs> she said, oh my God. Don't cry, child. You know, it's just be an emotional roller coaster of turmoil on the inside sometimes. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on. I'm over here catching up on Queen Sugar because I caught up on all my other shows and I never finished that show. <laughs> Fucking blue ass, the little boy is going to school in DC and still with friends. He got to leave his family. Why am I emotional about that? Ain't it's a, well, a real school. Yeah, my cousin went there. It's up. It's where uh, the Obama kids went. Oh, okay. I knew. I thought I knew that name from somewhere. So she says in the first stanza. Oh. We started as friends, but you know that every row ends. We started touching. We started having conversations and expectations all night long, right or wrong. And the first time we kissed was the first time I tasted real love. It ain't oh. enough. You know it ain't enough, bitch. Oh. You I said, run it back. Enough, huh? Run it back. That's what I said. <laughs> and then James Fauntleroy comes in on verse two and just be breaking it down even further. First of all, this song is the top of my playlist on Spotify called Songs for When I Get a Sex Life. She didn't already change the, the sectioning and the sequencing. Oh. So he, he comes in and he says, ooh, it's just the way you looking back at me, even though you got a good handle on it, got the candles on it. I know the magic spell. I let my hands perform it. Excuse me? Yeah, she's saying things. Is that the Fauntleroy song? That's the Fauntleroy song. 
because you know how his pen move around. It's really crazy. Like the way that this album is laced, because even the next song, Cool Cat, she's singing like I didn't even know she could sing. And I've been talking about her voice since the beginning began. But she's got songs penned by SZA. It's production on here by James Fauntleroy and Kay Trinata. Like this album. You know who name I was about to say? Gaytra. No, the Brandon. Oh, Lucky Day is not going to let a new girl, new girl without him. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he is the definition of new girl. <laughs> Not that Brandon is actually the new girl himself. <laughs> Listen, new girl in the dictionary is a picture of him with that hair. <laughs> I don't know. I've been championing the name of Maida from Jump. Like, even when I heard her song, Baby Girl, which is not even a vocally challenging song. It's just a great, like, she is a very special vo- voice to me. And I like the, the singles. Like, I liked sex is s and then in parentheses ex because everybody got a fucking issue with somebody from their past and then through the night which is featuring the free nationals like listen everybody oh, is on, everybody is like on this yeah she and she's like belting and she she sounds cool it's just a very different mix of music than i expected from her and i'm like proud as a fan so please check her out i think the I don't be thinking you're going to like stuff, and I actually think you're going to like this album. Wait, but I didn't I didn't dislike her last project. I was just busy. With no, I know. Things. no, I know. But I'm busy with Janelle, because the songs that I love, baby, they're yeah. getting played all summer. So, Maida, come back in September, because I'm on Janelle's line. She said spring, summer, joggers, okay? You know what I'm saying? Okay? Because <laughs> it's all about nail right now, baby. I love that, that we're on nail's line as a family, but I'm never going to stop complaining about what I complain about. No, because you got to keep your people honest. Do. But baby, um, Dark Red, whatever that song is called, Glass <laughs> Red. A Dry Red. A Dry Red. The song ain't dry, okay? <laughs> that is a song right there. I'm hollering. Well, yeah, that was now playing. Listen to the music. It's out. We say that every episode. This show is going to be three hours long. And y'all going to listen. Bye. <laughs> y'all have the commercial break. Yeah, and let's give it commercials now because they be trying to cut our episodes out. Uh-uh. Ciao. No more music, sisters. Sorry. Bye, poodas. Oh, hey. Steph here from the sites. Listen, when I'm not on this podcast being ridiculous, cutting up, and carrying on... I am the founder of Bero Black Cinema Club, a film club I started back in 2017. And we just meet up and watch dope independent black films from across the African diaspora. It's pride, but you know the dogs like to be on theme. So if you are in Philly or you just want to slide to Philly, I mean, come on down because we will be meeting up at Philadelphia Film Society to watch the classic, the iconic Paris is Burning Wednesday, June 21st. 7.30. See y'all at Paris's Bowl. I got $5 tickets. Head to the link in our bio. So we have a very, 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 very special guest on our podcast today. We are here with none other than the infamous Toray. Infamous? <laughs> wow. Infamous, so all it's guests are infamous as well. <laughs> you don't last as long without some infamy. That's all I'm saying. Okay, sure. Dig it. 
But yeah, we are super excited. We're now over the hump of our 100th episode. So we got to go big for 101. So uh, we have an OG, a legend in the music game, Torre. Everybody cheer it up. Our co-hosts are very excited people. So they're probably really sitting at home clapping. Clapping, like literally. <laughs> and we call our listeners co-hosts. So when you hear it, that's who we're talking about. Beautiful. Thank um, you. So Torre, we do have some young people in the room. Um, so for folks who don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself? And not like the boring, you know, bio that has like what college you went to and like all that boring stuff. Like, <laughs> tell us about Soiree, the music head, the like OG cool kid of New York. I mean, you know, I love black people. I love music. I love culture. I like telling stories and talking about the culture, what's going on inside the culture. Um, I just love all of that and being part of that. And I take it very seriously. And I think it's really important. I think black culture is very important. So yeah, like I just want to, you know, in the, in the nineties, I was at Rolling Stone writing about rappers, you know, a decade after that, I was at CNN and then BET, you know, talking about the culture. Um, I was able to go to MSNBC for, uh, a few years um, to talk about politics and stuff. Now I'm at the Grio, you know, again, like talking about culture, what's going on with black people. And, you know, I just, I've always loved that. I love us. I love thinking about just what makes this culture, you know, like, and it's like the smallest things they, I was walking with this uh, white guy who's a friend of mine and he was asking me about the nod and just sort of the notion of like that, like I live in Fort Greene, you know, you say hi to every black man you pass. It may or may not be verbal and, you know, but it's little, little things. And, you know, he was like, he, we came to somebody that I knew that he didn't and he tried to nod to them, but he went like up in this awkward way. And I would like, and I would down like, up and 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 it was like (laughs) see like you heard about it and you're aware of it but you still didn't really get it because this is not part of your cultural language when you walk around you don't have black men all the time now like yo what's up like you know and so you do it wrong it doesn't look right um and reminded me of this tiktok i saw where this this mixed brother was complaining that he had nodded and people had not responded. And this sister came in, stitched it, came in after him and was like, you know, the problem is you nodded with the wrong part of your ancestry. (laughs) And you you said, uh, when you meant, uh, and like, you know, you should have nodded with your blackness and then they would have understood you. And it's like, yeah, it's the smallest things. It's in, the food it's in the way that we greet each other it's in the words that we use it's in the way that we nod um you know and and i love all that stuff and this is going off script from what our run of show was but you brought this up so i have to now bring this up that um i have a hardback copy of your book who's afraid of post blackness oh, thank you um and i bought it when it came out not like a you know you thank know you, you like the throw it back. I got it in real time. And um, so I've, I've always appreciated the way you've been able to document cultural blackness. 
um, and also include other voices in that yeah. as well. Um, and because of your resume bouncing around, you've also been able to talk about our culture in different spaces and in different ways. Yep. Um, that like you're literally kind of like a walk-in archive, I would say, in some way. Um, well, that's just a nice way of saying you're old, but that's not <laughs> I think the way you put it, I'll take that. <laughs> you do see it in like, you know, I'm I'm watching hip hop since Rapper's Delight was out in real time, mm-hmm. right? Like when it came on the radio, we did not know. We were like, yo, what is that? The first time I heard it, I was like, yo, what is that? Mm-hmm. And I watched hip hop develop step by step, you know. It was it was Curtis Blow, you know, it was mixtapes, you know, and then it's albums and then Run DMC's on Johnny Carson. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And watching it develop. So it, there is an, I don't want to say archive, but like you can, you see it differently when you can see a longer stretch of time. And, a, you know, like I lived through a larger, I mean, the entirety of hip hop history. So you can sort of make extrapolations or make sort of just understandings of like, oh, like that comes from that. And that is related to that, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about in the second season of my podcast, which we haven't gotten to. Jamaica is one of the fathers of hip hop and does not get sufficient respect. Clive Campbell, Cool Herc, came from Kingston to the Bronx. So he's bringing all whatever... He had soaked in from Kingston, but also the whole thing of a sound system that was revolutionary in the Bronx in 19, uh, was it 69? What are we, 1973? Uh, uh, That was normal in Kingston. He just transported Kingston culture to the Bronx, right? And like talking over the records, they were doing that. Mm -hmm. So... Jamaica is a direct father of hip hop, but we don't usually talk about that. And when you have a little bit of a longer perspective on the world, you can sort of see some of those sort of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, I appreciate the way that you said you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I wanted to really say was that you kind of got into it was that in, in who's afraid of post blackness, you're like, if there's a million black people in the world, there's a million different ways to be black. Right. Um, I think that was like in the intro of the book. And so you even bringing up Jamaica and its connection to hip hop is so important because when we talk about blackness, most of the time we mean black American. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, and, and and unfortunately, that's how stories get left out. Like, when I found out in my, like, 20, I was like 28, 29, that Shirley Chisholm was Caribbean, I was like, wait, what? See? <laughs> you know, so things get erased, but go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, just to push the conversation about you basically being someone else who also pushes the oral history and the nuances of pop culture in those different spaces, like being the first correspondent of pop culture at CNN, like those affordabilities teach people things that they might not have known whether they are black or not. And that is really important to us as a podcast, because when you're talking about something that may be niche to a entire culture, it is important to uplift the ways that other other people have those touch points as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, having been around for a while is helpful. Um, You know, I, I mean, you, you want to talk about Prince. We all love Prince. 
Obsessed. I remember hearing the early records on the radio and was like, who's that? I remember hearing controversy and thinking, oh, he's saying he's controversial to then be controversial. Because, you know, there was there was some level of scandalous, but there was some level of like, okay, sure, brother, go do your thing. Like, whatever. <laughs> but, there, you know, he definitely had people talking with the, the outfits and all that. Um, but to follow the career... And then, like, late in his career, be blessed to be able to interview him in person. It's, like, crazy. And then to be able to talk to him, talk about him to his family, um, you know, it's it, that has been one of the great honors of my career, you know. Because there was a time when I was like, I want to write a book. What should I write a book about? I think I was in the bookstore. I was like, you know, there's no great book about Prince. And he was still alive then. And I was like... You know, I would look because if you're going to write a book, you got to be willing to be obsessed about a certain subject for like three years at least. Right. It's pretty much all you're thinking about. So I'm like, could I be obsessed, like super upset? Like I was a fan, but like, could I be super obsessed with Prince for like three years? Like, yes, I could do that. And like, listen to those songs over and over and unpack that story. And like, okay, yeah, like I, I think that's a good journey to go on. So um, you know, I mean, it just was, and, and that book was liked by, I Would Die For You, my first book on him was liked by a lot of people in the family. So when I went back to do another book of like, hey, let's do an oral history of them, people were like, you know, you love him, you are serious about him, so we'll talk to you, when we wouldn't necessarily talk to other people. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, having a long period of time to watch Prince um, in the world definitely helped me tell that story. I, you know, I, I, you know, I grew up reading this, I say grew up like the first few years when I was in New York and trying to become a writer and getting some assignments and doing good, but really feeling like I still have so, I mean, I still have so much to learn. I'm still constantly thinking about the craft, but like when I was really in like really active learning mode, I read this Joan Didion essay uh, over and over through several years. Um, uh, I just lost the name. Um, Goodbye to all that. Mm. Where she's talking about her youth in New York City over time and how the 22-year-old Joan could not understand what the 29-year-old Joan would come to understand very well. And I read it when I was like 22 and I underst- and I thought I understood it. And then I read it again when I was 24 and I understood it better. And I thought I understood it. And I read it again when I was 28. And I'm like, oh, now I really understand it. Where I thought I'm now, I really understand. And, you know, that sort of progression of time multiplied has definitely been like, okay, I think I understand things a little bit better. Which is not to say that I have not learned a tremendous amount from black millennials and um, have definitely looked at them of like, you guys are coming with new ideas and I love that and I respect that. I have learned a lot from them. Um, Made me think about during the George Floyd 2020 protests and we were all on the street in New York City. Where are you guys? Well, I was in Brooklyn then. (laughs) You were in Brooklyn then? Okay, where, where are you now? I'm in, yeah, I'm in Philly now. Okay, so yeah, it was popping in Philly, but you were in Brooklyn. You know how it was. Marches are going on constantly, day after day, 
I would just run out and join. I'd hear people rolling by on the street and run out and join them. I just learned from the millennials that I was around, you know, visually and personally. Like, I thought I was unapologetically black. And when I really got closer to a lot of them, I was like, yo, there's a deeper level. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, there's more no fucks that I could give. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know if it's a deeper level. I think that millennials, not us, because I think we were kind of raised old school, but for yeah. a lot of millennials, they were raised a bit disconnected from black culture. So they had to make the effort to really, uh, like, immerse themselves in it and when you make that kind of effort it just comes it, it just gets expressed a little louder yeah. than us who are like okay that's regular okay. Yeah, you, one of the things about them that I learned and really blows me away because I spent enough time and emotional energy and mental energy in high school and in college explaining race and racism to Ooh. white people in the classroom outside of the classroom and it didn't really strike me as emotionally expensive because I was used to doing that all the time. So I was like, just, this is just the price of being here in these institutions. It is what it is. And then millennials came out and they were like, I'm not doing your work for you. You can go read a book and I'll tell you what books to read, but you can figure. And I was like, yo, I did not know you could say that. Need to send some invoices out. <laughs> yeah. People owe you. And like the notion of like protect your peace. I was like, what is peace? What is peace? What is the paid internship? <laughs> right. So it so you know, it's been a it's been a bunch of things. So I you know, I I pre you know, I, I wanted to, I appreciate the the perspective that you get from having to watch the culture over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But I wanna um give respect to the folks who have also been you know, a teacher for, for me and for other Gen Xers. I think that that conversation gets exhaustive for millennials specifically because of the internet. So it's always a conversation going on. And I think people have gotten to the point where they're just like tired of over explaining, tired of mansplaining, tired of race explaining. And we just got to a point where we were like, but the information is there. So if I know it, you can too, (laughs) what's going on? Like, you what, know, what is the truth? I think most of the time I had those conversations in high school and college, I felt like the person I was talking to was asking and listening in good faith. Mm-hmm. They may or may not understand me or agree with me, but in retrospect, I felt like, you know, okay, you're, you were approaching the conversation in good faith. Nowadays, we are constantly having people approach us in bad faith. And yeah. I, I don't understand. Show me systemic racism. Show me a specific example that happens a thousand percent of the time. I would love to, like, <laughs> you're in bad faith. Fuck you. The information is there. It's a documentary. It's a podcast. It's a book. It's a, like, right. you know, it's a cartoon. It's a reel. You can figure it out if you want to figure it's it out. It's everything. Like, it's literally around us all the time. So let's jump into the podcast. So um, it is called Being Black. um, And you're doing breakdowns of individual songs, which is definitely something that we have done on this cast because we are those annoying people that are like, you know that poor change at like the 215 mark? 
Or like you know, uh, like uh, let's break this lyric down. We spent ten like ten minutes on one line in the song, so totally up our alley. And we would love to hear you talk about the genesis of the podcast, um, and how you selected the songs that um that you did. And then we'll ask you about some songs. Yes, no, I've been trying to do something like this for years. So I was thrilled when the Grio gave me this opportunity to do this and to do it the way I wanted to do it. They didn't get in my way at all. I feel like great music, especially black music, is inherently political. Even if the speaker is not meaning to make a political statement, there is in some way probably some sort of political statement. You know, I I haven't talked about Ice Cube's um, uh, It Was a Good Day on this on my show yet. But I think about that song as like inherently political even though he's not making a political statement because, you know, for somebody who's dealt with so much anger and rage in his, in his cultural presentation, they suddenly say, I had a good day, like a black person having just joy, just a nice day when they live in Compton in the belly of the beast. Like that is a political statement. So that's the sort of thing that I'm trying to get at. I'm looking at big black political issues from the eighties this time, the next season will be the 70s, and then we'll do the 90s. But right now with the 80s, what are the big political issues and how can I talk about them through songs? Or how do the songs that were big speak to me on political issues? So, like, the first episode is about Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. A song. Right. And, and, and it's a song that's part... It's not, a, it's not a protest song. It is, but it's not. And it's a, firstly about poverty, Right. It's a couple that it's a woman, presumably, who with her partner wants to escape poverty. She doesn't actually give any. I think she does shade a little bit in a later verse to that. This is a male that she's with, but she doesn't overtly use pronouns, and make right. it clear. Right. But I think she's suggesting that, that it, it's a woman talking to a man. But she wants to escape poverty and black poverty rose in the 80s. So we can have we have continuity talk, talking about that. But also this song, this woman became globally famous in a moment, right? There was a 1988 Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday concert, right? And, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand history if you don't live through it, because you guys live in a world where Nelson Mandela was president, right? Like, I grew up in a world where we thought he will never get out and we were marching and protesting on his behalf as a symbol. It was not actually thinking he would ever get out of prison, much less become the president of South Africa. So this is his this is his 25th year in prison. And the world was very Afrocentric then, especially black people. So we really thought Africa's problems are our problems, right? And we're not free until they're free, and especially with apartheid. And this was such a major thing because as late as the 60s, people would talk about being called African would was an insult, right? And they didn't they weren't fully in their consciousness of understanding our connection to Africa, right? So 600 million people are watching this concert because we're Afrocentric, because we care about Nelson Mandela, because we care about apartheid. And Tracy Chapman does this song and it's like the whole world stops. And the next day, she'd been out for months. Nobody was checking for this album. That day propelled her to superstardom. And that after that, 
she's she's off to the races. Legend icon. <laughs> so it's because of Afrocentrism that she gets in the door, right? But even more than that, she doesn't even get on that stage without affirmative action because she grows up in Cleveland, single mother, single child, poverty, nothing is working out. And somebody's like, you know, you could go to one of these great private schools, his boarding schools in, in New England. And she's like, what are you talking about? They know not, They don't even know that this exists, this pathway to the upper class, to wealth. They don't even know it exists. She gets in, she gets a scholarship through a better chance. This is affirmative action working, taking somebody who is intelligent and deserving of a chance and giving them an opportunity. And she flowers as a person, as a musician, as everything. This leads to her getting into Tufts uh, in Boston, where she meets the guy whose father works at a record label and is also himself an executive, and they get her a record deal. And there was no certainty that somebody who made music like Tracy Chapman would get a record deal at right. all. But it's affirmative action that makes this possible. And then Jelani Cobb, the great, brilliant dean, comes in and he says, you know, affirmative action led to Afrocentrism because all these black people were being entered into institutions where they're the only one and they're like i need something more in my life mm -hmm. to as ballast and they end up afrocentrism becomes this gigantic widespread thing in the community because people are like I'm, i need more um so which i didn't know when i started this journey of research um so, you know, you see like all these different ways that I can talk about black history of the 80s through this song. And we kind of just keep doing that throughout the series. You're like speaking our language. No, this, is, this is our vibe. <laughs> this is our podcast. This is the podcast. Because <laughs> I, was, I was literally about to say, I think that that shows itself over and over and over again. Like even just I'm visiting Philly. I'm from D.C. So just being here, being at Roots Picnic, just like seeing everybody's new way here. Yeah, we, we had a ball. Always a good time. And you saw the Fugees? Some of them. <laughs> I'm fresh off knee surgery, and I was like, I can't take much more. And I went home, and then I got a text message that was like, oh, Prize and Wyclef just came out. And I was like, how do I teleport? Because <laughs> how many you mics before? Missing oh. how many mics in person is still crushing me. I'm still processing my poor decision. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, it's We're moving on. Point. We're moving on. It's a pain point. But <laughs> I will say that Roots was fantastic. And just being immersed in a city that has so much rich culture and Afrocentrism in it and seeing the new waves of expression of that is really rewarding because it's not like that everywhere. Like right. We talk about that on the show a lot too. Like Black is very different in different places. Yeah. So to see it in a way that I am very familiar with when that's not the common thread today was important to me. Yeah. And the through line between what you're talking about, our podcast and the roots is we're also very intergenerational in how we talk about music. Yep. Right. Like we can't talk about like even Tracy Chapman, I remember we actually had a, a descendants episode, like one of our first episodes, we talked about like family the through lines of like a family tree of music. And we're like, yeah, well, before you had a Tracy Chapman, you had a Joan Armatrading, right? And then now we have Baby Rose, who is literally like their daughter and granddaughter. And exactly. she's a brand new artist. So intergenerationality, is that a word? It is right yeah. now. It's yeah. really important for us when we talk about music and also being aware of like context 
um, because a lot of the young people now, they don't, um, they can talk about a song that came out in the 90s or the 80s and like, oh, this is sexism, this is that, and that's like, well, you have to understand the context of when it came out, yeah. what we were doing, how we were thinking, what blackness looked like at that time, um, to kind of explain why songs are the way they are, um, because when you look at certain things through a 2023 lens, it doesn't, um... Hit the same. Right. You're <laughs> about two things I've been thinking about recently with the passing of the great Tina Turner, yeah. it just reminded me that Tina is Beyonce's cultural mother. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. A hundred percent. And, you know, I just recently saw, I was thinking about this, but it made me think about it more. There's this fantastic little Richard documentary. So good. He's it's so good. good. He's yeah. right, and we talk about Jimi Hendrix and James Brown, and they are in there. Prince studied all of them, but quite often he's doing a little Richard impression, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah, it's so it's, and, and, <laughs> right. And I love I love um, sort of making those connections and seeing like you know who comes. I think Janet more than Madonna, yep. is the mother of a, of all these girls. Christina, Jessica, uh, Brittany, all the, the way, Katie, the way they do their thing. Mm -hmm. I think they're following more of the Janet model than the Madonna model. Yeah. Correct. I personally profess that daily because <laughs> Janet taught everybody how to be a pop star. Like, yeah. I feel like every woman that has come after her has to dip into her bucket at least a little bit, whether they recognize it or not. Like, if you think about Sierra or Maya or Tinashe, who we adore, yeah. those girls are Janet's little girls. Like, yeah. there wouldn't be them if it wasn't for her. Janet did it without controversy, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, the Super Bowl, I'm going to put that aside because that's a different thing. She was already a super-duper star by that point. Right. Madonna was constantly selling controversy. Right. Yeah. Right? It was constantly to shock you in different ways. Janet was never about that. I think that the, the general public has now gotten wise enough to point out when artists are shock therapists versus true artists or mm. truly into what they're doing. And this is just what they give. They can tell the fakes. And I adore Madonna as well, but I do understand that it was just a very different expression and a very different mm. give. And it was also accepted and like welcomed very differently too, because then you have moments like the Super Bowl or just the velvet rope packaging in general. Mm -hmm. And Janet might have been ridiculed in certain areas where Madonna was not. Right. Well, let me, let me, let me, maybe I can ask you about how you feel about this because you are bringing you know, up. Have thoughts. So you're, come on, ask us. You're, you're, you're bringing up for me um, something else I go into in the show and perhaps generationally I don't fully understand. Um, but because because yes, we love the authentic artist, but you know we love a good troll who's doing it for the right reasons. And I spent a lot of time talking about um, Tyler the Creator, right, in love. one of the episodes, right, where I'm talking about gay liberation, starting with Diana Ross. I'm coming out, and what She's that like, everyone talk about that episode, yeah, yeah, to what that did and what that meant to the, to her and to the community. Mm -hmm. And then I go into talking about um, Sylvester as an artist who Brother. whose Literally. career was was limited because mm -hmm. of his gayness, 
right? There was there was major radio stations that are like, that's great, we're not playing that, right? So he became a star and an icon, but he could have been record bigger. That record could have been bigger, even though, yes, it's in the Smithsonian, but like there were radio stations that wouldn't play it. As opposed to Tyler, the creator, mm-hmm. who is basically, tro- I feel like he's trolling us in a way because he's constantly saying, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay. As if it would shock, but it doesn't shock. We're like, that's fine. Go ahead. Be <laughs> it's fine. You what? You like Frank? Fine. Like, we're not shocked. It's fine. And he keeps saying it like, well, will it shock you if I say it this way? I'm like, no, not really. Like, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. And partly, partly, I was, I was like, I mean, just some of the people I was talking to, I was kind of like, help me understand this because I don't really. What is he doing? I have my own specific thoughts on Tyler, the creator, and specific that I will share offline. <laughs> but I do feel like Tyler's personal journey in his own gayness is what allows him to profess it in the way that he does because he's trying to get the point across not only to us and the hip-hop industry, but also himself as well. And fighting the stereotype. Yeah. I think he's fighting the stereotype that you have to be a specific way, look a certain way, Mm -hmm. have a certain amount of femininity or masculinity in your daily personality Mm -hmm. in order to be a Black gay man. And that is what constantly forces him to be like, I kissed a boy. Remember? (laughs) So you think he's still working it out for himself? Yes. That's my personal... But you... I mean, I was like, I'm... Is he really gay? I'm I'm like, I'm I'm not sure. Well, you say it so much. I'm like, maybe you're just cosplaying as that. I mean, I don't know. I think that if you use even Lil Nas as an example, it's just a different form of trolling for those same reasons that you're saying because there's a conversation on the internet of, is this really what he does behind closed doors as a gay man or is this performative to get the clicks and the clacks and the the engagement that he would like to have by saying it all the time. Yeah, I believe him. And I think that he is trolling those who would be offended by it. Like, you guys are so last century. Like, oh, it bothers you that I'm, like, having sex with Satan in the video? Like, you're so tired. Like, it's a game. Like, come on. And we're like, yes. Like, you're mocking the conservatives. Fox News is going to eat that up. Like, yeah. But, Tyler, I'm like, it's it seems more complicated. It's, it's a more complicated game, I think. And especially when the whole crew has, like, slowly come out exactly. over the years. <laughs> so, I think, I, I think it's, it's a very them thing and them is in the whole crew like including Frank including um Sid. including um uh, Steve Lacey um so yeah I we'll talk offline <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm I'm completely supportive I'm I mean I feel like my generation watched homophobia happen in really tragic ways mm-hmm. and we're like we're not going to be that and you know god bless the gay people who are my peers were seeding me and others with like, we're here, we're queer, get used to it in their own ways. Right. I remember there was a, a, a brother at my high school who's a teacher who had checks on his, because we used to use checks to get, we didn't have Venmo. And, um, um, and his checks would say, said gay money on them. 
I know that's right. Which was just a quiet, and he didn't really. I, I don't think I was certain that he was gay until he had 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 given the check to my mom for something. But like, you know, it was just like a cool way of saying, you know, we're here, we're queer, get used to it, you know, and. And there were lots of little ways that different people throughout my life were, and, and other peers of mine to where we were like, cool. Like, yeah. we grew up like, cool, it's all good, right? And we, you know, um, <laughs> but there's we, other things that we don't understand. I I think that we talk about things like this in a, a, a very casual way because, like you said, we grew up with it. So in D.C., where I'm from, there's, like, signifiers that people will point out in my father's generation and generations before where they just knew that someone was homosexual and it wasn't a thing. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't a problem. But you just knew. And, like, that's what it was. Well, Johnny think, down the street, who's always been femme, like, mm-hmm. he's, he's fine. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about really? him. I'm Brenda's roommate. Like That's not her roommate. <laughs> that's not her roommate. Her but, friends. Yeah. They're just friends. Yeah. <laughs> really good friends. That's really thing. But because it is Pride, I did want to talk a little bit about the I'm Coming Out Diana Ross episode. Yes. Now um, Rogers has talked about this a lot. And I think I saw a video actually like recently because every like every other Pride people like seem to circle back to the song. Yeah. Um. So wanted to just like flesh out a little bit of that episode and the research that went into it. I mean, I've known Niall a long time. So, you know, he he total legend. You know how casual it was. <laughs> He, right, no, total. Like, yeah, you know, I'll be texting Nile or whatever. Nile is the homeboy. He was on for dinner. <laughs> he was at Havana. Not the outpost. You guys are funny. You guys are funny. You're funny. Um, no, I mean, like he, he, you know, he, he blessed me with a call from Europe, which was like, you know, thank you so much for taking the time. But like, you know, he wrote a song for Diana with the mindset of like, this is going to be the gay version of Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. That was in his mind from the first time he thought of the phrase, I'm coming out and how exuberant and catchy and perfect that phrase was, you know, but at the same time, Diana had been telling him, you know, I think I'm going to leave Motown. I'm going to leave Barry Gordy, which was a big, huge thing for Diana Ross. She was one of the biggest artists in the world that time. Motown was a hugely important label. So for her to leave Motown, you know, was a big, huge thing. But she was thinking about doing that as part of her own flowering as a person, right? As a grown-up. So she's looking at the song one way. And, you know, and I'm getting this story from Niall because we searched. I can't find any example of Diana Ross talking talking about the song in public at all, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Why is nobody asking her about the origin of the song? Did you know you were making a gay icon? No. When she was singing it down, she did not know that part of it. She thought about it personally. And she was super happy with the record. She took it over to Frankie Crocker, who was then the biggest uh, black radio jock in New York City who had broken many artists. He was super influential and important in the music business. She played it for him and he was like, you know that is like, that sound like you're gay. Like, are you gay? Like, what are we talking? Like, that's what people are going to say. What are we talking about here? And she came back to the studio with Niall very upset and despondent and like, what have we done here? And it was a battle of several months, um, you know, and she 
Niall is so funny because he was like, you know, because he's a producer. So he's, you know, worked with all sorts of superstar, sensitive, diva artists. And, you know, he's a very straight shooter. And he said, you know, this is the only time in my whole career that I lied to an artist. <laughs> <laughs> Diana was like, is this a gay anthem? And I looked her right in the eyes and I said, no, it's not. <laughs> And yes, it was. And he knew it. (laughs) You know, it it was important that Diana Ross do it, right? Because Mm -hmm. she was so big and and she had been a star for a long time. And so it gave the record just an an imprimatur and a seriousness and, and, and an elevation that no other artist could have given it. Yeah, we. It's funny that um, you talk about how she was like, "Wait, what? What's going on?" Because right. um, we actually recently did a um, a live of our episode of our podcast talking about like gay icons and things like that. And Diana is very much a gay icon now, so it's like. And shout out to Stable Arts for hosting us down in DC. Um, but it's very funny how a lot of like these women who are not necessarily a part of the queer community through this like one song, like Cece Peniston been living off of pride for oh, the last 30 years, my right? Oh gosh, she is from forever and ever, amen. Right? How this one song really like activated the queer community mm-hmm. and that it, they're now like these queer icons. Yeah. Off of one song. And I think it's important that we recognize how some of these divas do change the conversation for gay men just by being themselves Mm -hmm. and being someone that they look up to or being someone that has actually like given back to the community in any kind of way, because their music doesn't necessarily lean any specific direction like you talked about. So it's important that we uplift them and notice what they're doing. And in Diana's case, whether they know what they're doing or not. I mean, you say one song and it's kind of interesting for me because partly it's who Diana was. Exactly. Right? And the ability that she has, I mean, the beauty of the song and the voice is timeless, right? Like that is important. Um, And, you know, I mean, she was a relatively older artist. She had been a star for a while. You remind me of like this story... Uh, um, somebody asked Picasso when he was in his 60s to draw something for him. He's sitting in a cafe and he took for like one minute, he took a napkin and he drew on the napkin and he hands it to the guy and the guy's like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to buy it. And Picasso says, oh, it's a, a million, whatever currency they would use. It wouldn't be dollars, but whatever, It'd be a million. The guy's like, what are you talking about? That took you like one minute. And he's like, no, that took me 40 years, uh-huh. right? And like, yes, one record, but who she is and what she brings to the record after decades of superstardom, of classy stardom, of femininity, um, you know, because the record started from Niall seeing a bunch of Diana Ross impersonators in the bathroom. So the community already had a deep love for her. So for her alone to give this back to the community is so meaningful. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I mean by this. Like like giving that one song is a signal like, hey, I see you. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what makes you the the, gay icon is when you can 
you have you receive the love, but you're also sending it back and explicitly sending it back out. Yeah. Or even yeah. like how we refuse to stop talking about Beyonce until I get those visuals from her. Renaissance. It's literally like she has been a gay icon. He wants these her. visuals so bad. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna. I don't understand what it is because she always does that. Right, the visual part of the album, yeah. and this album is so. I love this album to death. We could talk about this album for an hour if you want, and <laughs> it, it is so visual in its sonic presentation. You know what I mean? There's so much going on with the samples and the dynamics and the movements and like, and I don't. I I'm like, what? Why isn't there? There must have been something that like we shot something and we didn't love it. And I'm just guessing here. But, like, you see, like, she's constantly working. So if there's something not coming out, then something is wrong, right? Because she's constantly... So there mu- I, I'm just guessing that she shot something and then it's like, you know what? I don't love it. And, like, and then it's like, well, it's going to take us a while to get... Well, but that's... Well, because everything has to be perfect. It's a queen. So if it's not perfect, then just don't... Better to put out nothing... Right? right then to put out something that everyone's like mm, it could have been better it should have been better right because she's a 10 every time right with exactly. everything exactly i love that even in this conversation we're all fed up <laughs> <laughs> we all really want the visuals beyonce what are you doing and she's teasing us by sneaking little clips and snippets in the live shows and i'm just like girl when i see you she's enjoyed it because the lemonade visuals definitely deepened my experience with that album right and Absolutely. and so i'm like okay so now you have i mean you have made an album it's a concept album right it is mm-hmm. it is a theme right because we don't make albums anymore we make lps where it's a bunch of different songs yo this is an album you are talking about disco right you are talking about like sonically it all fits so where so so where are the visuals that would help me further understand your vision? Y'all about to start a support group and advisory council. Did, did y'all already go to the Renaissance tour? I'm going in August. Okay. I watched on um Instagram Live. <laughs> I'm going in. We'll, we'll I'm talk going offline. In, I'm going at the end of July. I just checked today. Wait, did I miss it? July thirtieth. Yeah. What city? What um uh, New Jersey. Okay, okay. Yes. The first show is in Philly. I will make my decision the night before. That's where I am. You we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. Like that? To decide the night before? She's fed up. We'll, we'll talk offline. Everyone listening to the podcast No, I, I don't really resonate with Beyonce's music that much. So I don't what? know if what? I can handle what? so many hours. I'm sorry. I misheard you. I misheard you. I know. I know. That's what I heard. not what I heard. That, wait, 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 you better get your girl because I don't know. I am the right 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 yeah. show. It's fine. I will take all of the flack. I got her. It's fine. You be, you'll be the pain sponge. The, the thing is, I want Beyonce to be something she's not, and that's where our our point of contention as women what comes you, in. What do you want her to be? I want all of her albums to sound like all up in your mind. I want all of her <laughs> albums to sound like haunted. I want all of I don't want any of that like nice wife stuff. <laughs> I don't want any of it. I want her to rap. I want her to have that growl. Because she gives us glimpses in every album and I get so excited because I love women that sound like that as Shaka Khan is in the back. Okay. I have um on this wall we got uh who's on there? Uh Millie. Millie Jackson is on my wall. 
Bet, okay. Betty Davis is on the wall. Okay. Those are my kind of girls. Okay. And I, and I, she gives me glimpses of that kind of girl, like a Joy Gilliam. All those women, those are my dolls. Okay. So we talk about this every episode. When Beyonce does them, sometimes I get really, really excited. And I'll be like, girl, make a whole album. Be like Mariah Carey, who's that secret rock album that she might release soon. Uh. You know? See, this is I, I, that's very interesting because it's a very thoughtful critique, right? Yeah. It's a very you know it's it's very deep. Like you you relate to one part of Beyonce, I think as deeply as we do. But you're like, I want more of that girl, and not I don't know what you don't want. Sorry, you don't want that girl. You don't. You want... <laughs> I I love that he even did, though you know, even though the demo. Is amazing. The original wait, version. Wait, so so to you, is her taking him back like a loss or a bad thing? Uh oh. <laughs> I believe in black love, but I think it would have been fire. She was like, bye. Just just for the sake of like, because I'm Beyonce. Who you? Who what? Like just this for the sake of like women empowerment, but I also don't believe in breaking up the black family. Cause like okay. if you show me a picture of the Carter noses, I will start weeping. Yeah, <laughs> it's her. <laughs> Stephanie will like have you on the fence about this for days, and I <laughs> am tired, honestly. As as a part of Air Crime, a co-host and a friend, I'm just like, girl, we can't. You don't see that Beyonce you like on um on the la- on the new album. Yeah, yeah, on like um, Blue, America has a problem. America has a problem. All up in your mind, uh, energy. The girl that Stephanie is talking about is always there. Always there. She's not non-existent, but Beyonce toys with us because like we will never get a full live version of Kitty Cat. She also shortened that video and is giving us glimpses in in the trailers, and I'm just like. Stephanie's never going to leave me alone. Or like six inch. Six inch is like Beyonce's top five. <laughs> no one cares about it but like me. And me. Oh, okay. Us. But I also so like another So Formation is your girl. That's what the you slow? Formation is like, when I'm in my HBCU mode, I do like Formation. Yeah. But, but what, what, that's Lemonade album. For Lemonade, I like six inch and what's the other song on there? Don't Hurt Yourself. Don't Hurt Yourself. Oh, Don't Hurt Yourself. Beyonce's so, top three. So, so Beyonce's top three. It's, 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 it's the popular, brighter pageant queen Beyonce that you don't really care for. Right. Beyonce and loves to be real conversation. When does. <laughs> <laughs> I like her when she's dark and like, you know? Okay. But then on the inverse, there's something really like happy about this performance mm-hmm. segment that we're getting from her. And I'm just like, Doll is having fun again because the Formation World Tour was a little bit darker. It did kind of give like, I'm Beyonce, hear me roar, which I love that too. But now to see her be able to like smile again and like enjoy the performance and give us personality in ways that we have. Beyonce be in the comments. That's the problem. Yeah. So she got tired of people saying, I'm a robot. I'm too perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I'm over choreographed all of that. And she said, well, I'm just going to perform heated freestyle every night now. And have fun. And have a ball. I'm going to yeah. click my fan. I'm going to engage with the audience. I'm going to tell y'all to sing. And if y'all sound bad, I'm going to 
act like y'all sound bad. <laughs> like, she's just being herself a lot more. And I think that that is something that every type of Beyonce fan can Yeah, we all it. like that. But Beyonce is not even going to dock it for questions we need to ask him. And I love that we she are She still here. comes up. <laughs> well, well, two things. I appreciate that she is a broad enough artist that she's making art that is hitting you where you want to be right. hit. And where you want to be hit and right. where I want to be, because I don't love every Beyonce song and right, they right, might right. arrest me, but I don't love every, right? So there's enough great work, right? And it's great enough that it, she can hit all three of us in, in even in different places, right? Yeah. And we're, uh, you know, um, but the other thing is like, yeah, when you were reading your, your little run of show and I was like, yeah, we ain't talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be like, I'm not like being like rude about it. I'm just saying I can see like this shit is just going to take a life of its own and just go <laughs> where it go. And you know, she had like, here's the menu. And I just overturned the table and like, let's just talk. <laughs> but you know, that's happens when music nerds get in the room, right? Yeah. Like we have a plan and then we start talking about the runs in Virgo's group, which is Beyonce number one. Song. <laughs> um, <laughs> but okay, we're getting back to, we're going to get back to our run of show. So, um, you talked about Nile Rodgers, who I don't wouldn't consider one of your peers or age mates at all. Um, but I, I want to talk about um, artists that were entering the game um, as you were as a journalist. And like, if you can think of one or two artists and kind of like track your, um, I guess, a set, a set, uh, uh, like simultaneously to each other. Well, I mean, the one that comes up and maybe somebody else will come up also, but like Janet Jackson and I were, I think we're all, I think we're the same age or almost the same age. And there was an interesting parallel. I mean, like I remember her as Penny on Good Times who mm-hmm. lived down the hall and, you know, when I was still at an age where the greatest fear in the world was getting a spanking from my dad she came in and had an iron burn on her back and that traumatized me <laughs> as a child oh my god like people do that to children like and my mom was like no i would never do that i'll just have your my have to have your dad whack you with his hand um <laughs> but um you know when she was doing um oh god control you know you're about the same age as a teenager as her that she's projecting, looking, you know, can I get a little more responsibility? Can I get a little more space here? I'm about to go to college and get a lot of space. So, like, can I drive the car? Can I go stay out late? Can I go here and there? Like, you know, can I have some freedom? So she's talking about what I'm going through, right? Like, more than any other artist I, I can think of. Um, <clears throat> and... The first big review that I did for Rolling Stone was a Janet Jackson album. Uh, was it? It was the one that had the Q-tip samples, Joni Mitchell sample song. Velvet Rope. Got till it's gone. No, after Velvet Rope. What was the one after Velvet Rope? Mm. Was it Janet? It was Janet. It was Janet with the lowercase J. That's the album. Okay. And I did, um, and it was a double album. So they made a box out of it. And I don't remember what I said, but I really put a lot of energy. When they gave me a 400-word assignment, 
I worked the hell out of that. And I microscoped <laughs> every word and thought about every sentence. I put all the effort possible into those little, little assignments. And, you know, I just wrote my ass off. And people were like, yo, that was really well written. And like, I wasn't making an artistic point that wasn't, like, the album was great. Like, it wasn't like, you know, but just the way that I was talking about Janet, like, people were like, yo, that was great. So that was another place where our careers sort of, like, touched. Um, and just watching her grow, I interviewed her in person once for, like, five minutes at a junket. That happened, but I wouldn't say that was part of the journey. But like, just sort of feeling like you know there was there was a similar sort of progression over time. Um, oh, I remember I saw her. What was the tour she had when she would like pick a man out of the audience and strap him on the? All for you. Yes. <laughs> I saw that tour three nights in a row. Wow. And there was at one point in and there was at one point in that show where she cries. And I think I was in my twenties. Pretty sure I was in my twenties when I saw that. And 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 maybe it wasn't all for you. Maybe but it, I saw her three nights in a row and she cried at the same point in the show every night. And I was like, Oh, it's a performance. And I really the first night I was really like Wow, she's like so into the song that she cried. Like, wow, that's amazing. And then the second, third night, like, oh, she cries every night. Like, okay, and it, and it kind of it kind of pulled off the the rapper for me a little bit, but not in a bad way. I was like, okay, it's a show. I, yeah. I'm getting it more. So it kind of like learning. I'm kidding. Very hard if people don't know. Yeah, it's not something I know. How <laughs> yeah. To do. So I mean, so so I've seen her sort of like grow. Um, in 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 a in an interesting way that sort of paralleled like okay now we're you know, now we're you know both here I mean the other one that kind of kind of like De La Soul to me is so important because I loved hip hop from the first time I heard Rappers Delight and I was I was buying every rap cassette that I could that I could find and just loving 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 it and I felt connected to it. But then I got De La Soul's album, The Three Feet High and Rising. And through the first six or seven songs, I wasn't really sure what was going on. They had a record in French. I studied French at school, but what, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> and this is why we said you're infamous, because you keep it 100. <laughs> and then they got to the song where they're frogs talking to frogs and rapping back and forth of this frog said to that frog, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, no, this is some bullshit. And I pressed eject, and I threw the shit in the back of the little Honda Prelude that I had and didn't even think about them until Potholes in My Lawn came out. And I was like, yo, that record is the shit. Whoever made that record, I, oh, I already have that tape. So I dug in the back, put it in, and now the second time I, I understood them and I got them and I fell in love with them and I understood that they were talking about suburban hip suburban connection to hip hop, which is like that's me, and I'm like this. I feel truly connected to this. Makes me feel like I really am part of hip hop, right? Because that's who I would be if I was in hip hop. Because I'm suburban, I love this culture, but I'm you know I'm not from the same world as Slick Rick and 
uh, BDP, KRS, and all that, like MC Shan, like that's not my world. Like that's my father's world. But Dayla's talking about where I'm from, like you know. So I, I felt a deeper connection with them, um, and so just following them through their career has been extraordinary because they've really been pushing the boundaries of what is hip hop over time. So, um, so I love I love them. I think that I think that touches your question. Those are really two good um, picks that you selected because, well, we both just saw Janet. Oh, my God. Um, the most recent tour and the level of excellence at 56 years old. Like, we I, we were at different shows. So I was, like, ignoring his text messages to the group chat until I saw the show. <laughs> and then I was, like, live texting. And I'm, like, the stamina... The Breath hit, control, the uh, ability to command a stage. Like, I mean, it's just like, again, she is the blueprint, no, right? Seriously. And to have have sat on that throne for forty years is amazing. And to, and it, like, no one was touching Janet. I mean, yeah. she was still hitting those moves, like, like, so, like her choreography. We both have dance backgrounds. I went to performing <laughs> arts high school. Like, it's a whole thing. Her choreography is not normal choreography. Like, this is actual dance class, play studios, Millennium Studios, like, boom, boom, cat for your life, hitting the movements, hitting the nuance. This is an and count. You have to wave on the back beat, in the pocket type movement. And she's up there going at it with her own dancers. It's not modified for her. Like, she's not Missy Elliotting the choreography to fit her style. Like, it's hard to do. And she's eating it at like my mom's age. It's so funny what you just said because I knew Lorianne from See? way back <laughs> in the clubs. I Don't always worry. wanted to ask her out and I was always afraid. Like, yo, that chick is serious. People <laughs> were puffing them. How you gonna ask her out? And like, yeah, and I had her on my podcast. I was like, yo, you know, back in the day, I wanted to ask you out. She was like, you should have. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was like her. That's so funny. That's so funny. Gloria is an icon. And then, and you know, for you to now kind of, I feel like Janet is like in her like victory lap now. Where it's like she was already a level uh, icon, like a legend in the '90s. I feel like now she's at the icon status where she's like, I'm more than cemented myself. I have like children and now grandchildren in terms of like artists, right? Um, and then for De La Soul, it's a really exciting, but also bittersweet time for them because yeah. now their music is on streaming. They have control of um, their music in a way that they didn't have for a very long time. So also it's kind of seeing the parallels in them now is that like you talked about how the griot is kind of letting you do your thing yep. and letting you kind of ride. And then for Janet, I feel like you're, you are in the age of... Um, less accessible music information. Like, we we are in an era of, like, we grew up on VH1, learning everything about the 70s, 80s, 90s on VH1, watching MTV News, and now the kids don't have that. And so you are literally, like, in the next-to-last class of people, right, that were able to do that. So you're also kind of at that, like, in terms of music journalism, that same kind of Janet level, where you're, like, the last of. You know, know? we used to... um... I used to buy albums, right? Because we had to purchase albums, right? Right, right. With my little allowance money, I had to pray that it was good. 
because yeah. it wasn't because I wasn't just getting another twelve dollars for nothing. So if yeah. it wasn't good, I'm like, oh, I remember I bought LL's. I bought LL Cool J's first album just on the cover. I had not heard any of the records, but yo, that cover, that's for me. I bought that, loved that. I think his second album was Fire, and I bought Walking with a Panther. I think was the third record. Was like, nah, dog. <laughs> it's a no for me. You fucker, and that's my allowance money. Like that should, and it's 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 actually really valuable to a certain extent. The streaming era where everything is available, right? Mm-hmm. I can I can listen to anything. I can try anything. Any art name you guys throw out, my kids throw out, I can check it out really easily. Um, you know, obviously it's not it's it's not better for the middle class and upper class artists. Um, but you know, it, it it's it is really valuable that we can all try any album we want at the yeah. click of a button. Mm-hmm. On the That's low, awesome. we were having a war, like me mm-hmm. and the other people of my generation. Who people know of Scott Polson Bryant, Kevin Powell, Joan Morgan, Dream Hampton. We were peers and we saw it as a competition. I'm writing about Jay Z for Rolling Stone. You're writing about Jay Z for Vibe. Okay, we'll see who gets the better story. You're doing Puffy for the New York Times. I'm doing him for the whatever we do. Like, okay. And I'm reading their shit. I'm like, okay, he got something I didn't get. Okay, all right, all right. I'm going I'm to I'm get him on the next one. I'm going to figure it out. Like, you know, oh, my story is better than his. We had a better hangout than his. My story is, you know. So it was definitely competitive. I think it was mostly internal. But, you know, you say little things. You know, you, you everybody reads the stories. Everybody, you know, I don't think people understand the competitiveness that was going on um, among that group of people. And y'all were celebrities in y'all own right. You know what I mean? Especially to us. Like, yeah. Kids who wanted to be that. Like, I used to look at TRL and be like, I'm going to do that one day. I would see you on the red carpet and be like, I'm definitely going to do that one, like, one day. So it's interesting to hear you answer kind of a question that I was going to ask. Is like, well, how do you see the shape of music journalism as it stands today? And you answered it. Perfectly. I mean, but we, I mean... You know, I, all of us, looked up to Greg Tate, mm-hmm. Nelson George, uh, Stanley Crouch. Joe mm-hmm. Morgan is a little bit, she was on before me, so her too. Um, we looked up to them and saw them as brand names and, mm-hmm. and Harry Allen, them doing incredible things with the pen, with the computer, whatever, and trying to compete with them, you know, yeah. and I mean... As far as just writing goes, nobody could ever compete with Greg Tate and do what he did, you know, I mean, like, you know, so it's like, okay, so he will be number one forever because nobody can come close to the way that he wrote, the insights that he had, the research that he could pull together quickly is, is you know, it's just a genius. Um, but in a way, like that was the North Star, like everyone's ultimately competing with that. Yeah, and since we brought um, Joan Morgan up, and because Lauren um, headlined the roots, I want to shout out um, Joan's book about the miseducation. And twenty years later, well, almost twenty years later, that book was fire. Um, I used to work at Weeksville, and she did a book talk there. Um, so if y'all don't have that, get, get that. Also, make sure when Chick Heads come home, come home to roost. That's an OG classic. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, shout out to Joan Portman. That book taught me, too, because we used to always see each other at, um, at there were lots of listening parties. Every album that came out, the label would throw a listening party at some club. And that's where I would see everybody, right? And there's a, at least one a month. And, you know, we're going to these things and I'm seeing Scott and Kevin and whoever, whoever. And I didn't see Joan for like six months. And I'm like, yo, where's Joan? I ain't seen Joan out. Like, what's, go- what's going on with her? Oh, she's working on her book. And I was like, so if you want to get like a book or some next level shit done, you have to remove yourself from some part of your life, your social life, something. In order to have the time and the focus to get it done, I never spoke to her about it. I don't think she even knows this, but like just seeing her absence from a social scene that we were both part of, I was like, oh, oh, that's okay. That's how you do that. Okay, okay. And it really showed me, like, as a very young person, like, okay, you want to get some shit done? Like, that's how you do it. And, and I would, and you know, and like people are teaching each other without even realizing it. She doesn't know that she, she wouldn't even, she might even believe it because that happened in her absence. Right. Mm. Like that. Uh, where's Joan? She's working. She's grinding. Like, yeah. oh, you want to be like that? Like, okay. Then you got to, that's what you got to do. And, and for a long time, let me tell you, I was the king of, Sorry, I can't come to your party. I'm working on my book. <laughs> I said that for years. And like, you know, if you can't handle that, then you're not my real friend. Because like, I'm working on my book. Whatever whatever book I was working on is, ten, you know, 10 years of like, I'm working on something right now. So like, sorry, I can't come to your party. Right? <laughs> and, and, you know, there's no party... <clears throat> That I look back on and was like, damn, should have gone to that fucking party. Yeah. But I look at the books I did, and I'm like, yup. Mm-hmm. yup. Mm-hmm. Work the sacrifice. So um, we kind of talked about this a little bit offline before we hit the record button. Um, but because you've been in the game so long, because you've had a level of access to a, a broad range of black music, um, we kind of wanted to talk about like where you are with music now. Like, who are you mentioning your kids? Like, who are your kids listening to? Who have your kids put you on to? Wow. Um, who are some newer artists that you're seeing in your era? Um, we talk about the lineage. Yeah. We do this thing on the podcast every episode where we have a now playing and we go back and forth about what's something new that we're listening to just to, like, get people to listen or, like, tell them what we're interested in. So we're basically doing that with you. I mean, my, my ears are relatively old. <laughs> I am usually gravitating toward things that are a little bit older, or at least artists who are a little bit o- o- older. Um, my my daughter put me on to, she said, Steve Lacey and who's the other yeah. one that I had? Brent Fayez. She was like, you should have Brent Fayez on the show, on my podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that, little sis. <laughs> so that, that was great. That was, he was great. He was great. He's great. And she's like, you should have Steve Lacey. I had never heard of him. Um, so we're we're working on that um hey well, real quick for steve lacy did you listen to his most recent album yet mm, no not yet no, okay report back listen yeah. to the report back but um he used to be part of the, the internet, internet which was the like r&b jazz band that came out of our future 
so um and he's like really instrumental and like his first mixtape is really good you will like it because or i think you would like it because (laughs) he's like i'm not sure (laughs) Uh, because you can you can hear references. Yeah. Um. I think that's why we both like Steve Lacey is he's an artist where you can hear the references. You know he's done his homework. You knew that he was raised in a very black household yeah. that plays certain things. Good. So that his music comes out the way that it does. Yeah. And he's a musician first. So yeah. I think that also makes a difference. You can hear Prince. You can hear Freddie Mercury. You can hear Bootsy Collins. Like, there's people that you just know he had to have tapped into Mm -hmm. to get his sound to be where it is. And it's very alternative in comparison to his previous works with the internet, even though it's still very musical. So, Mm -hmm. definitely listen to it. Okay, okay. I love that. Um, I mean, I don't know who else knew. I don't know who knew I could tell you. That is not generally where I am pushing or... And you know I'm I'm open, but we well, but when also when we say new, we don't mean like someone that's like twenty something. Like you can literally be like, we're currently living for the Dinner Party mm-hmm. album, which is Kamasi Washington, Terrace Martin, who also on that? That's a bunch. of the California jazz guys. Yeah, okay. Like we love each other's music so much; it's hard to name them all. <laughs> Ninth Wonder might be a part of the collective. I and then they have like tank samples. So Darrell Babs is in the building. <laughs> you know who I've been. Yeah, so there are to be necessarily young people, but like art, like because I know Michelle and Diego. Michelle has a new album coming out. Really, the singles that released are bomb. So really? that's in my now listening. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I admit this may or may not. <clears throat> I go to Soul Cycle a lot. <laughs> And I got into it for the cardio because I play tennis every day, and a lot of the people I play with are much younger than me. There's this whole theme to this conversation of age, <laughs> and, um, and you know, so I really think a lot about cardio. So I started going to Soul Cycle a lot for my cardio, and one of the classes was really banging out this Kim Petrus record. Oh, okay. yo, that record is hot as hell. <laughs> And who is it with? Uh, she has a song with Nicki Minaj, but it might not be that song. Um, no, I think this is just Kim. Hold on. Kim's new album is doing really well. She's Damn. had a lot of mixtapes or like EPs. We don't know what albums are anymore because people just throw right. music at us all the time on streaming. Right. But she had projects before, and apparently this is her first actual debut album, and it's been doing really, really well. I mean, the song, the song that I've been jamming is Treat Me Like a Slut. Which I saw, right? Which I saw. It's it's a fire record. Yeah. Right. I love this record, and you know, it. it, So so I I found that in that class, and then I've been taking that into my life. Um, this is a fire (laughs) record. Um, and you know, I mean, I like supporting her, and she was dope with on um on unholy, right? Oh, something unholy is everything. Yeah. I mean, that unholy is is unbelievable it you know it's it's it there's an energy to that record that's like wow like you don't you can't trap that in the molecules like the, it, it remind me of of it, 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 this was the i thought fuse told me let's say on monday you're going to interview gaga on friday right first album right so we didn't know who she was paparazzi was out i think there was 
one other record out. It was a hit, but it was like, is this a fluffy, like disco-y, post-disco chick? Like, who is this chick? And I wasn't really sure. I wasn't, I honestly, it was only like two, three singles out, and I was not vibing with the music. But I'm like, I'm going to crush this interview, but this feels very poppy and forgettable to me. And it was like the day before the interview that Bad Romance came out. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. <laughs> if you have the ability to make that, you are a much deeper artist than I realized. Yeah. And like, let me rethink who you are as an artist before I go into this conversation because you're, this is that record like blew me away and unholy like blew me away in that same way of like, like there's great songs and there's great recordings and that just mixes and you can almost like smell the record and the steaminess of what they're talking about and you know it, so yeah that so though kim i've been i've been trying kim it just takes a lot for me to get really invested in a new artist mm-hmm. and i'm trying to think of the last brand, artist who is brand new to me who i was like you i like you i'm rolling with like i don't know who that is i'm i'm you we know, want to send you. We need to send you a playlist. Yeah, we, oh, well, we, we think you might like. <laughs> right, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try your playlist because I want to see. I want to see. So you know, it's you know what it's it's like. You know, since we've been talking about age, when you're in your twenties, it's really easy to make new friends, right? And you're making new friends, and you're like in the friend economy. In your thirties, there's some of that. After forty, it's really hard. You know, I'm thinking of my people. People are not really like because you, you have so much going on in your life that mm-hmm. it's hard to like ma- make a new friend that you are breaking your social habits to not just once but like we hang out and talk repeatedly over, to like make a new connection. Like, it's hard. It's not impossible, but it's hard. And like I, fi- I'm finding the same thing. Like even with television, like I'm kind of like relationship averse. Like, I don't want a new relationship. I got my shows I like. You got to blow me away to make me yeah. be like, okay, I'm, all right, all right, I'm in a, I love you. I'm in a relationship with you. The first season of Succession, I was like, eh, this show's all right. My wife was like, yo, you got to fuck with the second season. You know, and then they come with all their jokes and their drama and their backgrounds and their money. I was like, okay, I love this show. But, yeah. but like, you know, like, I'm like, you know, I like, I'm trying to resist falling in love with something new. So you got to come hard for me to fall in love. You know what I mean? And that's where this show comes in because we owe it to the people to let them know there's new good stuff out mm-hmm. or there are older artists that are still making new music that is also good because we haven't had the full conversation, but we could give the listeners a peek into it right now. It seems like DJs, event venues, and like people in general are stuck in music from like the 90s and the early 2000s when we go to festivals when we go to concerts even just in between the breaks we're not really hearing anything new and all we do is talk about new music so i want to dissect the disconnect between what people like of that time and why there seems to be nothing that has come after it even though the music industry isn't over with like Mm -hmm. there's still music being made you know but that time that we have is but i do I, I do think that that something happened. I think that the rise of the internet and the rise of a million gatekeepers 
with the rise of the internet. Because I used to go on 10 different blogs to find new music, right? Like blogs that were like, we're going to throw hot new records, hot new links at you, MP3s at you. Like, oh, over here, I think what, I can't remember what the name of them were. But there was, but it became like, there's lots and lots of gatekeepers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think the sort of people and the opportunities to become a musician changed. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I would have to talk to more people in the music industry to fully understand. But like, I think the way the music industry was constructed, and I'm not saying the music industry is good for creativity or good for music in general. But before 2000, the way that the music industry was structured led to a lot of the music that we love and that DJs are still centering to this day. And something changed after that that has led to music in general, let's say, maybe connecting less. Mm. And it's extremely segmented as well, because we can talk about Kim Petras and Unholy, but like none of our friends probably know that song. And that song was huge. We are completely (laughs) balkanized. There used to be, I'm listening to this album, so am I. We can bond on, we're both. Now it's rare that people are having a, so I, I wrote about this a long time ago about um, the death of monoculture, where there used to be a sense of like, we're all watching this TV show. We all went to see this movie. We're yeah. all listening to this album and we can have a shared relationship loving that album or television show or movie. And now there's so many uh, entertainment options in a given day that getting people coalescing around a show or an album or a movie becomes nearly impossible. So we're not having monocultural moments um, like, I mean, I mean, you know, if if you're a millennial, you may not even be able to, to, to understand what it was like when Thriller came out, right? When Nirvana came out, when The Matrix came out. And I mean, like the cult, the penetration of that in terms of everybody is consuming this at this time. It doesn't happen anymore. It, 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 and it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. Um, it's just culture functions differently, so we don't have these massive monocultural moments anymore. Um, and like you're saying, so I can't bond. You guys are bonding with your co-hosts saying, here's some new stuff. Try this that we're listening to, right? Yeah. As opposed to saying, we all love this, right? And I think Beyonce has created one of those with Renaissance, there's a gigantic audience that's listening to it all at once. But for the most part, it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, she's probably one of the few artists that is still able to like command in that way. Like her power is so great because of that. And I'm not even saying that as a fan, I'm just like, yeah. it's an observation to be made. Yeah. And the time frame that we're seeing music constantly played from is probably that last segment of music where everyone liked it or everyone was able to talk about it and enjoy it and experience it at the same time. So that's a really good observation because we're just going to concerts mad because they won't play Rihanna. <laughs> and I think that it's more, it's a deeper conversation to be had. Wait, you. When you, well, what, when you saw the Super Bowl performance that day, did you like it? Did you get it? Yes, I did. You got it right away. You th- I didn't get it right away. You thought that it was a birth symbolism that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I believe she was pregnant. I was like, I was like, she could 
Maybe we shouldn't say this. Whatever. Just say anything about that. Oh, you so, thought she was faking the pregnancy? No, no. So, okay. So, in our group chat, we, we have an R&B group chat. We just talk about music or whatever. And we were all watching the the Super Bowl. But for months, we were talking about how we loved that she was not racing to get skinny for the Super Bowl. Right. So, we would be, so when she would come out and look like a regular mom and not a celebrity, meaning she wasn't like real thin. We're like, oh, she'll be skinny by the Super Bowl. She'll be skinny by the Super Bowl. And then she wasn't skinny at the Super Bowl. And I was like, y'all, she really didn't. Doesn't care. She don't care. <laughs> like, she's really like, I'm a mom and I'm going to have mom bod. And I did not realize that she was actually pregnant until she posted the picture of her stomach, like, late, late, late that night. So, but that's, not what, I'm talking, but that's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about the symbolism of all of the dancers being in white, technically sperm, her being red. No, I didn't get is. none of that. I said that because I was like, okay, she's pregnant. But then I was like, why is everything red and everybody is white? I was like, this looks like a science project. Like, this looks like we're being told a story. And I don't even think that it was, like, super deep. It was just like, this is what it is. So I was like, this has to be sperm. what she's trying to say. So I, I thought that immediately, but the room I was in was not having it. No. They were yelling at me like, no, what are you talking about? You crazy. You always think you're right. Shut up. And I was like, mm, well, turns out. <laughs> right? I, didn't, I didn't even get it. I think two days later, I saw a TikTok. Because I was like, nah, that performance wasn't it. Two one note. It was boring. What the fuck? You know, and it was like, you can't criticize a pregnant woman. And like, true but she stepped on stage and like she could have crushed it and then when someone's like no she's the egg and they're the sperm i was like oh my god that wow. was brilliant and i completely <laughs> missed it and ah uh, and then i was wow, wow then i was like wow i didn't get it i somebody because i was watching my wife and my daughter and somebody said something not fully getting to that idea but like a step toward that idea. And I was like, no, that's dumb. No, <laughs> like, wow, that's brilliant. Rihanna's insane. Yeah. Come back to us. We're never getting an album. It's fine. Yeah. And to be Where fair, I, she's definitely on that album. I thought she, she's been saying that for like years, but <laughs> I'm, I, that's why I just keep ordering Savage. Continue. <laughs> so I can feel close to her. She's right. never Ooh, put that out. to you as a song. Is love that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rihanna Ballad, don't know it. Rihanna's Queen of Ballads. She only makes like fast singles, but most of her albums are ballads, and we love that. She's a dramatic Pisces. Um, no, but at first I thought. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Rihanna's grandfather lives right around here. Right, what? right, right here. And just on, so was it Saturday night? Maybe Saturday night? Or Friday night? I lit, right, Fort Greene, very black, very artsy community in Brooklyn, very uh, knit community in terms of everybody is very high, how you doing? Even if you don't really know a person's name, it's still very friendly and high. And so this, this brother from the pharmacy, who's been seeing me come in and out of pharmacy over the years, whatever, was like, yo, you're walking that way. Rihanna's grandfather is down there at the lotto store. And then he shows me a picture of him and her on the red carpet. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. I'm not going to do anything with this information. <laughs> but, you know, cool. But he lives around here. I'm like, cool. That's amazing. I did not know that. So I'm walking down the street. And he, as I'm walking down the street, he comes out of the lotto store. So we are like 
three feet away from each other, right? He's, he looked me right in the eyes. I'm like standing right there. So now, now I can't help it, right? So now I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> Big, like, welcome. Like, hey, how you doing, man? And he goes, he goes, do I know you? <laughs> The elders do not play it. And I'm like, I live around here, right? And like that usually gets you into a conversation with most people who live around here. But he said, Do I know you? (laughs) And and I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, I'm gonna try to slide in here into a conversation. But and he and I said, We have not met before, but he misheard me. And he thought I said, we had met before. And he goes, where? <laughs> yeah. Super yeah. serious. So I love I, the elders. Now I repeat, we have not met before. Hoping he'll be like, okay, we've come this far. Like, what do you want from me? And I said, we have not met before. And he looked in the other direction and made a gesture with his hand, like, move along. <laughs> and i walked away like yes sir like (laughs) that's all you can say i tried to strike up a conversation he was like not having it be out Uh, the elders don't play i don't know you it's not happening keep it moving what sounds like somebody in my family actually But again, since we're, we like to drop info on the podcast, you're talking about the richness of Fort Greene. Um, folks should definitely see um, uh, Kevin Powell's film. No, Nelson George's film about um, Fort Greene. Um, it specifically kind of focuses on the 80s and 90s and that time when it was like Spike Lee, Rosie Perez, Common, uh, Brooklyn Moon was popping. Shout out to Five Out of Lunch. Um, that got me through my 20s in New York. No, no, um, no. My, my <laughs> daughter is in that in the basket she was like first three months old and he had a little quick shot of her in the basket and now she's going to ninth grade in the fall oh wow that's crazy time is flying because that's like 14 years and i don't feel like i saw that movie that long ago but i guess so because i was in here for 15 years um and recently moved back to philly but y'all should definitely check that film out brooklyn bohemes the name of it um, if you want to really understand what was going on in Brooklyn um, culturally in the 80s and 90s. I mean, Nelson does a great job in that film um, as a documentary of explaining what Fort Greene is about. But, no but, period, Spike gives you the vibe of mm-hmm. Fort Greene in Do the Right Thing and even more so in She's Gotta Have It. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you the 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 an artistic poetic sense of what it is to be here. And those films, um, I know uh she's gotta have it was shot here, and Crooklyn was shot here in Fort Greene, and that gives you a beautiful look uh of mm-hmm. uh, uh, Fort Greene. Um but uh yeah, yeah. Spike has been the poet, the visual poet of this area. Um which has been, you know, just extraordinary. And his his office is still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, RFP, I still love a little burger spot and lanes across the street. They're no longer there. Is Cornerstone still there when they do the brunch? It's like a live band playing. I don't um, think so. That used to be my favorite part. I only know three steps down that used to be over there. Okay. Black-owned restaurant. Um, Shea Oscar used to be over there, but now it's in Bed-Stuy. 
Um, yeah, I left in like 2011, 2012, so everything I know might be gone. It's gone, yeah. <laughs> um, I was recently up there for BAM weekend, I mean for Dance Africa weekend, and I was like, where am I? See? What is this? See? So much, so many new things. Um, But I think we're winding down yeah. our time together. Okay. This was so fun, and we honestly could have kept talking kept because you are definitely one of our people. For real. You don't cut no cards. You say what you think. Um, you keep it honest and you know what you're talking about, um, which is something that's really important to us as a podcast. A lot of podcasts are very like opinion based, um, and folks don't do their homework. They don't read. There's no facts. Yeah. So, you know, we really appreciate like your knowledge, your like culture. Yeah. yeah, And institutional knowledge as well. So this was great. Um, before we go though, um, when is, uh, season two? Are you promoting that season two of Being Black coming? Or? No, we are not finished, but we are going to have it out uh, this year. Um, so, so you'll get it sooner than later. Come on, come um, so we love that. Can't right. wait to listen. So y'all have plenty of time to catch up on season one of Being Black. Um, it's a lot of great episodes. And if you love the sites, you'll definitely love Being Black because it's the same nerdy content. Um, <laughs> a little less ridiculous. Because uh, <laughs> we are absolute lunatics. Insane. Oh. Um, but we thank you. We thank, thank you for you so like decades of like excellence and rigor and commitment to black culture in general. Thank you. Um, because we we won't we don't see folks like that anymore. It's so. just not the same. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um appreciate it. I've I've enjoyed this time with you guys absolutely. You guys are fun. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. And the playlist is coming. We got you. Oh, yeah. Yes, We're please. Sending that. Yeah, please. Sure. I want to I see. I want to see. I'll expand my horizons. I'll try new things. We were doing episodic playlists, so like every episode will come with one, but we'll do a special one just for you because we stopped doing that. Yes. <laughs> we got jobs, okay? We got a lot of like, text raise. Oh. It's a lot. She keeps saying, I'm a mother. <laughs> She said that's her excuse for everything now. She don't want to go something. She's like, I'm a mother. I got kids. I can't. I'm writing a book. That's going to be my new thing. I'm, I'm writing a book, book. But I'm going to start saying, I'm writing a book. I can't come to your party. But tonight. if you're going to do, but if you're going to do that, you got to be honest to the book gods and actually um, write a book. Write yeah. that book. Write a book. <laughs> Precise book coming soon. Right. <laughs> right. Forward by Torre. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Now you're thinking. We cannot thank you enough. This has been super fun. You have been a wealth of knowledge in our lives and definitely someone that the cast looks up to. And I know our listeners would really appreciate this conversation. I'm happy to do it. This was fun. All right. Well, y'all, another episode of The Size. Y'all know, uh, share, like, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. If you aren't following Torrey on the platforms, do that. And make sure you're subscribed to Being Black. Subscribe to The Size Podcast. And we out. A, show. a podcast. <laughs> a show. We cite ourselves at the, at the end of every episode. <laughs>